0: A warning, dear listener, if you dare, as language, spoilers, and opinions will prevail, a gruesome tale is about to unfold. Take heart, dear listener, and become the bold, as monstrous creatures from legends of old shall still your heart and freeze the soul. If you're not afraid of nightmares tonight, sit back Relax and enjoy the fright.
1: I 愛し, I
0: Greetings and welcome to another edition of Dub Talk Classics, where members of Dub Talk get together and talk about a series that may or may not have shaped our views on anime and the English dub community. My name is Stephanie, and I'm joined by my fellow creatures of the night Megan, well, Roots, and Amon.
2: The camera girl, I'll eat her later.
1: Boy, hoda, folks, welcome to the first annual tractor pull! God damn it! <laughs>
0: Too early for that! <laughs> you ruined you ruined the atmosphere I'm I'm setting. God damn you. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Mom. This is this backwoods town.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I pulled <laughs> out my William Defoe here.
0: Damn it, Megan, you already ruined it. God damn. Alright, alright, now sorry. now no, you're not, not. Really at all. all right, this Shut is your down. punishment. <laughs> Shut up! Now what, pray tell, would require these three souls to enter my chamber? Why we're here to speak of unspeakable creatures that will make your blood curl in fright. Is it kids? Can I talk, please? We don't have time for this today. Christ. <sighs> one where one wrong move and your life will be forfeit, the Nightwalker creatures, simply known as Sheiky. Do not believe me? Well, let me tell you of this tale of Shiki. Sotoba is a small village with around 1,300 residents. So small, the village isn't even connected to a single highway. An isolated village in which old customs, such as the burial of the dead, are still practiced. One day, the bodies of three people are found dead. Although Toshio Ozaki, the village's lone doctor, feels uncertain, he treats the deaths as normal circumstances. However, in the days following, the villagers start to die, one after the other. know, in order to discuss this legend, we will delve into Shiki's ranks, discuss their members, their voices, and our thoughts on these miraculous creatures. I hope you're ready for a scare, dear viewers, because it's time to discuss this urban legend. But before we get too far ahead, I wanted to just want to briefly discuss our prior experiences with this scene. Considering that's the whole thing with Dub Talk Classics. And I'm going to stop using that voice now because there's no reason for me to do it. So, prior experiences with this series. If I'm right, two of us here have actually never seen the show before. One of us wanted to punch somebody for making her
1: watch this show. You fucking volunteered, yes, don't you start with me. I volunteered. You did it again. to yourself.
0: So yeah, this this is the first time Megan is seeing the show and um, Amon, I think this is the first time you're seeing it too right?
3: That is correct. I think I saw like three episodes on your stream way, way back in the day uh, but all yeah. I remembered was vampires never... So
1: Yeah, I didn't even have that level of experience. I have never even touched the show. I bought this blind because the rights are expiring later this year
0: Oh yeah We'll, we'll get to that towards I mean, I the end out, out,
3: That's why I bought it too <laughs>
1: Yeah, you can buy, by the way, straight up, fucking buy this. It's like $20 on the save label. It is worth every fucking penny.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that more towards the end when we go into how you can see the series as of right now. Uh, but Roots, you and I have seen this show before, Indeed. right? Okay, so what is your prior experience with this show? Because I know this is the second time for me I'm seeing it. I think this is the second time for you, um,
2: right? I would watch it every once in a while back in the day. Um, I caught it during the simulcast period and then bought it. I bought it once, it went missing, and then I bought it again during the... Uh, during that point where they had it on safe, but it was still in the art box with the with the piece of tape that would tear everything apart if you took it off.
0: Oh yeah, that was a thing. And as for me, I didn't actually watch it simulcasting originally. What's what's, what's funny is um I saw the trailers for it and got really freaked out over it. And this was probably my senior year in college while I was doing anime reviews for a while. And it's, it's also funny because I actually won the first set, the first half of the show, in a contest that Funimation had. And I got the first set in the limited edition box. And then I actually went through the ever-wonderful store in New England called Bull Moose for the second half. And actually had because I sold a lot of old books and CDs at the time. So I had a lot of store credit built up. So basically I had gotten the entire series of Shiki, the really nice limited edition set for everything for about 25, 30 bucks total, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and then I um, reviewed a long time ago, which by the way, I rewatched my review that I made earlier today and I'm such a naive little baby. It's not even funny. Oh, look at the big baby. Alright, my big thing with this show in general for me, and this is why I really wanted to talk about it, and not just because the license was expiring soon, but it was a show where I really, really started noticing English voice acting performances and um, picked up on quite a few names, which we'll get to, that just stayed on my radar for a long-ass time after I got introduced to them. But we'll get into that much more a bit later. So now that we kind of have a general idea of our experience with the show, are we ready to just dive right into everything? Because mm-hmm. sure, let's yank lot. off the Band-Aid, which yeah, is about the
1: best we, uh... Uh, metaphor for
0: me watching the show. Just rip off the Band-Aid. Yep. <laughs> you Yeah, a lot cover because um, Cheeky is a difficult show to talk about because there's so many characters involved in the story. So believe me when I say I had a very difficult time narrowing this down, but before we talk about characters, we got to talk about staff. So we're going to start with the ADR directors and scriptwriters. We have two of them. The ADR director for Shiki is one Mr. Mike McFarland, who has directed other series such as Mushishi, Eden of the East, and the Fullmetal Alchemist franchise. And as for our two writers, for the majority of the show, which is episodes 1 to 3 and then 5 to 22... We have Bonnie Clenkenbeard, who has also written for shows such as Black Butler, The Vision of Escaflowne, and Soul Eater. And then for parts of episode 1 and 7, and then the entirety of episode 4, we have Blair Ronan, who is our other writer, who has written for series such as Darker and Black, Gemini of the Meteor, Fullmetal Alchemist, Brotherhood, and Kazai no Stigma. So to start us off, how do we feel about the directing and writing on the show? Let's start with Amon. Can you kick us off, please? How do you feel about the writing? That is
2: great.
3: Is it? No, no. I have more thoughts, but the overall is that it's great. Um, uh, This is—I mean, uh, this is very dialogue-heavy show. It really is. It's very. It's very. Is a very (laughs) dialogue-heavy show. It's very drama-based. A lot of it is about like the interior feelings of the character, etc. Like this is this is very much the kind of thing where if you go back to like. You know, even like the mid-90s, this is the kind of show that probably wouldn't get dubbed just because they look at it and it's like, yeah, we're going to botch this. Like, we, no one has the chops here yet to, like, pull this kind of thing off. Um, but uh, I think this is done very, very well. I thought they did a wonderful job of, uh, you know, re- uh, writing the script in English and preserving a lot of what is so clearly necessary about, you know, the tone and how the characters are thinking and what they're feeling. Um, and Mike did a wonderful job uh, directing the actors to match that. Uh, this feels like this definitely feels like one of these dubs where like if enough things are out of place, the whole thing just kind of falls apart. And obviously, as I think we'll get to just for like this is a, we're only covering a sliver of the cast, yeah. uh, and it's already a lot. And it's like there's a lot of moving pieces on here, and everything needs to mm-hmm. fit just right. Or the whole thing is gonna, like, kind of blow up in your face. But I thought they did a very good job. This is this is one of the better dubs I think I've heard.
0: Megan, how do you feel about the
1: directing and writing uh, on the show? One, first of all, one, this show scares the fucking shit out of me. Um, and this is gonna sound- This is gonna sound, uh, extra, uh, extra kinda weird to Amon and Roots. I had a harder time watching parts of this show than I did Devilman Crybaby. I mean you you expect
3: Devilman Crybaby to be a hard time. You know, you don't necessarily expect Shiki to get as horrifying as it does in its last okay, five episodes. Yeah. episodes. 20, and,
1: 20 and a half and 21 and a half just Yeah. Like, like, special yeah, the only episodes, We're going to talk it's about like, the like, specific
0: like... characters mainly for those OVA episode's uh um, in segment, but in the next segment, but um yeah. <laughs> Shiki is um it's like, it's Sorry.
3: Like... Sorry, go on.
1: I, I literally, I think I got through episode four and I called Lilac with threats to punch her. Yeah, she when, did. When uh, Megumi crawls out of the wall, like something out of a fucking Saw
0: movie or something. shit. Yeah, she, she yeah, called listen. me immediately after, like, I was trying. She's like, I'm going to kill you. I'm like, why? What happened? I saw the episode. No, your, fir-
1: your first reaction was, I was, I'm pooping. And then the second one was, what's wrong? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't need to tell everybody that. You asshole! Every- lilac, everybody poops. It's not that weird. I don't care. Nobody needs to know that. It's too much information for people. I'm sorry, damn. everybody, if I ruin the illusion of Lilac for you. Lilac does, in fact, poop like the rest of us. You can go about God your day. Damn it.
0: No, mom. It, no, it, it is kind of funny because I was in the bathroom and she tried calling me twice. But I was texting her, and I was like, dude, leave me be for five seconds. She, and, and she's just telling me, I hate you so much! No, wait, wait, wait. I should have brought this up before we started. She um, ignored her call the first time. She left me a voicemail I hate saying, you. like, I hate you so much. And I, that hope I, I
1: bought you to find she a way <laughs> a to, to get I that recording off your phone and into the episode only because I think I was near crying. Keep talking. I'll try again. I am totally gonna, gonna try, try to play it, it for y'all. But no, um, one of the things I honestly really want to mention, and I, and this is kind of the best place to do it, is uh, we always say thank your engineers and your audio people because one of the things that I want to highlight that is a a masterpiece in she is the sound editing on this show. I hate you so much right now. End of message. Delete. <laughs> That's it. That's our French. That's our friendship in a nutshell. Anyway, back to what I was saying. Oh, uh, but no, the the sound mixing in this show is impeccable, to say the least. Mm. Um, and I specifically want to mention episode 20 and twenty and a half, uh, the first OVA, because there's a scene where they are in a bunch of metal pipes. Uh, crawling through a water wor- uh I think it's like a water, an irrigation system. Yeah, it's a- they're in like the underground tunnels. Yeah, they're in these underground tunnels. And the farther that the Shiki go into the underground tunnels trying to escape the people, because by this point in the show, also there's a disclaimer um, the town knows that the Shiki exist yes. and that they are real. And they have gone full like Beauty and the Beast Gaston song times 10. <laughs> This is true. Like Doctor, please draw Doctor Ozuki dressed as Gaston, por favor. Um, (laughs) Can we? That'd be amazing. I fucking love Doctor Ozaki. Sorry, um, go on. But they're crawling through these tunnels, and there's not a lot of music behind it. All there is is the sound of distant screaming, metal like metal being like crawled on through nails, as the humans are basically shanking the sheikis muscles that they can use like their their uh achilles tendons and their shin and mm-hmm. their tendons tying them by their feet and dragging them back like animals and i was just like oh my god i'm gonna vomit because it was intense yeah so uh whoever i i feel really bad because i can't jump on a or my my uh, ps4 to pull up the sound mixing credits for that episode uh, whoever, like, the engineer in the booth with Mike...
0: I got you, fam. I'll figure this out. Give me, like, two seconds. Keep going. Yeah,
1: whoever was in the booth with Mike and in the, in the mixing studio, like, holy shit, y'all are fucking amazing. Uh, the writing in the show is great. There's nothing that feels, like, super out of date. Especially for a show that takes place in the 90s. That's being animated in the early 2000s when... I think Funimation, as we know it, isn't where it's at. Fun like, 2010. It's-
0: the show, you know, it's, like, it's show itself is dubbed around, like, uh, late 2000s or so. Like yeah, early 2010s because the show came out I think in like 2010. Okay, so the answer to the question, the ADR engineer is one Mr. Kenneth Thompson. He has been the engineer for series such as the of these East franchise of the animation, and um, he's also done Full Alchemist Brotherhood, it- Italia, my gun. He-, he has a few different things. Uh, oh, but he's also done a few other things such as um, oh, what am I looking at? He's also done dialogue editing for March comes in like a lion.
1: Oh, cool. That's a show episode we're doing, so we don't want to talk too much.
0: <laughs> and he- oh, and he's also done. Um, Dialogue ed- Editing for uh, Fate Apocrypha 2. Oh, neat. He's kind of all over the place then, but um, he also doesn't have a lot, a lot of credits. But yeah, he's the ADR engineer. Yeah. Of the show. Oh, but no, for a show
1: that takes place in the late 90s, but dubbed, obviously, about a decade or so after, there's nothing that feels like super out of place or super, like, janky. Yeah. Uh, especially because this is a dub from, like, what, late 2010? Early 2010s? yeah mm-hmm. um before i think funimation has kind of like come into its own were well right. funimation was already pretty high quality back then but they're not as high of a quality as they were then as they are now i think back around that time what would we say like the two biggest prestige dubs they had done were basically full metal alchemist and like dragon ball z um yes
0: yes to, be fair, yeah, to be fair you're not like, wrong that,
1: that was kind of what they had and this is I think back when Bandai was still kind of around um and then in terms of the directing I think Mike McFarlane knocks it out of the park none of the characters feel out of place I think a lot of the casting was actually pretty creative for back then or, or even for back then there's a lot of actors in um lead roles that I would or major players that I would today consider being kind of more out of the box so good on you Mike
0: Roots, how do you feel about the directing and writing of the show?
1: I mean, I'm gonna be honest with
2: you, like his horror and suspense dubs are probably some of my favorite Mike McFarlane dubs.
0: I will fully agree with you on that, but continue. Like
2: Eden of the East is something I would really love to cover as a classics episode it's one of these days.
0: Ooh, I will join you for that one. Mm-hmm. I love Eden of the East.
2: But um I I really like that the dialogue writing was It was really snappy and bannery. Right. Mm. And it didn't feel... I don't know what the word would be. Wordy? Like, it it didn't...
0: Uh, Yeah, kind of. It didn't
2: feel... Didn't feel denser than it needed to be.
0: Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh,
2: The casting... For the time period it was dubbed, it was really respectably out of the box. Most of those... Most of the people involved in the dub now are probably some of uh, some of Funimation's what would probably be considered like their A-tier actors nowadays. But that was a time in which at least a few of them were just getting their starts as leads. So,
0: like I was saying a second ago, I really have to agree with you. Where, cause when you think of Mike McFarlane as a director, nine times out of ten, you're going to think of really beginning projects like um, uh, One Piece and Attack on Titan, but I think some of my favorite directing work that Mike has ever done is on those small projects, and particularly the horror-mystery genre, I think it's absolutely amazing when he gets to work on these. I mean, I brought up Mushishi and Eden of the East for a reason. Uh, Those two are really phenomenal English dubs that he's directed, and this is also no exception. Shiki is an outstanding dub to me, giving it another rewatch. A-, a few years ago, I would have some problems with it, and we'll get to one in particular later that I have to reevaluate evaluate my um, opinion on, but um, uh, in-, in terms of casting and directing, this show was very solid, because one of the major themes with this show, and I'll probably talk it a bit more shortly, is... Um, The ethics and the morals of who truly is the monster here. Is it uh, actually the shiki or is it the humans? And the dub does really display this very well, as does the writing. Because the show does something really interesting to me. And it doesn't just spend time with the humans who are dealing with the deaths in their families and all this trauma in the village. But... um, you also see the Shiki and how they react and how they're coping with everything and the show actually does really well uh, in making some of the Shiki very sympathetic. I know um, two in particular, uh, Naoyasumori who we'll talk about shortly and uh, Toromuto who we'll discuss much later on are probably the strongest cases of this for me. Uh, But yeah, if anything like this is the series where I fell in love with Mike as a director, but more for the smaller name projects than the very popular ones. And writing wise, I really love the writing here as well. Um, to be fair, there are some small problems here and there, but I think that's more because of the limitations of the show. Because by the end of it, there are some fun little plot holes that kind of just stay there and they don't get resolved. But for the most part, the stub is well directed. Uh, well-cast, and well-written. Um, I think we're ready to move on to our first group of characters and uh, the first four characters we're going to be talking about. Uh, these are characters that are primary in the two OVA episodes that do fit actually rather nicely into the main storyline. Uh, the four characters to talk about, we have the aforementioned uh, Yasamori. She is a woman in the village who is very kind-hearted, At the start, uh, until she dies and becomes a shiki, and then just kind of becomes fucking nuts. Um, (laughs) And she wants to bring her family to her side, but is unable to do so. I guess becoming a shiki is kind of a genetic thing, from my understanding. It's never fully discussed, really, or fully discussed too much. Um, Next, we have Asagawa. He is the owner of a cafe in the village. Uh, He and his wife moved to Sotaba after the death of their child. Uh, Now in Hasegawa, their major episode is actually episode 20 and a half, uh, which is the one that Megan was talking about earlier with the Shiki being hunted down uh, in the uh, in those irrigation tunnels. The other two we see more in episode 21 and a half, and they are Matoko Maeda and Kaname Yano. Um, Kaname is the owner of a roadside diner in the village and lives with her mother. Um, her mother, unfortunately, ends up becoming a Shiki, and Kaname just kind of goes through the paces during the episode. Um, meanwhile, uh, Motoko... Holy oh, shit. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. Um, uh, she's on fire.
3: Yeah, my, my note for her... <laughs> My note for her for remembering
2: who the characters are.
0: So. <laughs> this girl is on fire. She basically causes, like, the fire that She's, happens um, at the end of the
1: show.
2: My imaginary friend is a leprechaun named Chippy. He tells me to burn things.
0: <laughs> Damn you, old man. Damn it, old old Roots. Holy Damn you,
1: old shit. Man. Did you just
0: fucking pull out Ralph Wiggum? <laughs> 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 no. No, okay. Uh, but, um... So Matoko, she is a village resident. Her entire family uh, ends up dead except for her because of the Shiki as well. She curses her father-in-law cause um, he is actually the first to die and come back as a Shiki. And she's also a, she's also a uh, very uh, um, uh, cautious. She's more of a cautious woman. Cause she wants to make sure her kids are safe and nothing bad happens. Stay away from major highways, kids. By the end of it, she just kind of loses her loving mind to the, uh, to the to the point where she takes her only remaining child, locks them in a bathroom, and uh, stays there for days until uh, the child is decomposed and running. Uh, yeah, that <laughs> the scene with her in the bathroom is um, just the creepiest. Um, yeah, that's the moment where I was like, got oh real. fuck.
1: Like, I I was sitting and watching the episode, and then she pats his head, like and his scalp and his hair just slides, and you see, like, you hear the sound of it sliding, and you see, like, kind of his maggot-infested brain, and I was like, oh, Fuck!
0: Yeah, the first time I saw that scene, I was like, oh, shit, and I had to pause and breathe for a second. Uh, Luckily, that's towards the end of the show, though. Oh, God, if that had been,
1: like, the middle of the show, I would have fucking noped the hell out of here and you would have had to replace me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so the individuals who are voicing these characters. For now, Y'all, we have Cynthia Krantz, who has been in other series such as Dragon Ball Z, uh, Glass Fleet, and Yu Yu Hakusho. Hasagawa is voiced by one Mr. Christopher Sabat, who has been in series such as One Piece, D, Grey Man, and some of the, Loop on, the film, Loop on the Third films. Matoka Maeda is voiced by, and I apologize for mispronouncing your last name, uh, Dana Schultz. The only named character I could actually find for her is Portia from Romeo and Juliet. Otherwise, she has voiced background characters in series such as Question. Mushishi, and Claymore, yes. Is she Donald Schultz's wife? No, it doesn't no, look l- like the... No, the last the, name's different. Yeah, the
1: spelling's different.
0: And as for Kanameyano, that is Miss Stephanie Young, who has been in series such as Claymore, School Rumble, and Spice and Wolf. Uh, Megan, since you were kind of going into it with Motoko, could you give me your thoughts on these four performances? Uh, I would first of all,
1: one, like to congratulate Mike McFarlane on giving small-time indie actor Christopher Sabat a chance to break into the industry. <laughs> 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 god damn it uh, no I, I want to save Matoko for last uh, Christopher Sabat was really good in this for a character that doesn't talk as much and is very much a quiet quiet man uh, this is not the role that you would like even I think a lot of us who have watched like even some of the shoujo stuff he's been in this is very very much a departure from what I think everyone knows Chris Sabat in Like, if you only know Chris Abbott for things like Dragon Ball, for, like, playing Armstrong, like that, go watch this show and watch him play a quiet shop owner who eventually succumbs to his own... I don't even want to say, like, when he, he kills everybody in 20 and a half. He doesn't do it out of vengeance or anything. He mercy kills them. It is, like, fucking heartbreaking because... Yeah, they, at this point they've run out of stakes to to permanently kill all the cheeky that were in the in the tubes. So yes. they dragged them all out, tied them up, and basically left them to be burned in the sun. So that they would slowly torture they would slowly die of sun torture. And when they all start screaming, he finally takes it upon himself to kill. I believe, for the first time. And he yes. takes out all of the shiki there himself. And you hear everybody around them going, This isn't for you to do. You don't have to do this. And he does it anyway. And the last person he kills is now. Who he had, mm-hmm. I believe, in the flashbacks for that episode, had come to see has his own child. Uh, because it was, imp- it was said that his child died in an accident. Um and now was talking about how lucky she was to finally have parents who loved her and a loving husband and a loving son um but he he takes them all out and kills them and then just breaks into tears and i think that's one of the first times i can actively remember a chris sabbath character crying mm, um yeah. that wasn't that wasn't like you know Kubara being a big cry <laughs> muscle bound yep um i've never seen you, you hawk show but i understand that's a thing um and then you have now who is oh god is it cynthia yeah cynthia kranz is now um, yeah, it's who, cynthia, Yep. you kind of like you feel bad for her at first because she gets really sick and she dies and then she just wants her family back and in those last episodes, I think she finally lets all of her demons catch up with her. And she freaks out and hearing her scream and cry in that tube. And then, like, it just, God fucking, fuck just fuck me up, fam. Um, it just fuck me up, fam. Yeah. It was, it was gut wrenching. Like, and there's, and you go for a lot of the series not wanting her to get her happy ending. Because she's just killing people. And why, and I think uh, Megumi says it best. It's, Oh, yes, yeah, as the woman who goes after her own family first. And Megami is a CU next Tuesday, but we'll get to her anyway. Um, and then there's Stephanie Young's character, who's the shop owner, who I wish that that character showed up a little more than she did besides the one OVA. Uh, I thought it was a good performance, if not in the background for a bit. And even though her character does have these moments with her mom, it's such quiet and little dialogue stuff that you can't I can't really judge it super super harshly but what I can say is that Dana Schultz gave one of the most terrifying performances in an anime I have ever fucking watched in my life in the span of 20 minutes
2: not gonna fight you on that one Mm
1: -mm. if if not less like Yeah,
0: yeah not gonna fight you
1: everyone likes to say that dubs aren't as good as subs fucking watch that And tell me that that wasn't shit pantsing scary. Like, pants, like, get your brown pants scary. Like, there is something to watching this woman break. Because she is already timid and kind of weak-willed. She's getting pushed around by her in-laws. Especially her mother-in-law. Has to watch. And then, Mm -hmm. whenever she tries to reach out for help, everyone's pushing her away. Like, she goes- tries to go to the Ozaki clinic, and it's close. it's the one day that it's closed because of things Dr. Ozuki was doing that day. She tries to go to the other clinic, and it's only open at night. Her daughter is being a hypnotized zombie on her back, and then the only way that she thinks to get through with it all is to damn her- her father-in-law, who came back from the dead and fucked him up. She never knows that the guy died, that he gets killed. He's, like, I think one of the first people to also die in the lynch mob, too. I believe is the father-in-law. No, I don't think so. He's, I remember him getting caught pretty early on.
0: Maybe because um, my thing is, the last time we saw him, I, I remember it was, um, is with Akira. Akira Tanaka. Oh, yeah. That's the last mm-hmm. time I remember. That's him. where,
1: it, that's where it is. That's where I remember seeing yeah. him.
0: Um yeah, I don't think he was among the first ones to be killed though. Then I think I know who killed him. But I wouldn't him. be surprised if him, he didn't then. get killed. Um based on stuff in the
1: other series. And then just hearing her going, damn you old man as she just goes around the village <sighs> and all of the other events in the stories are going on, and there she is never flinching in what she's doing, up until the point where she takes a gasoline can, takes off her dress, Sets it, un- like, douses it in gas, sets the mask on fire, douses herself, and lets herself get burned alive, cursing the whole village.
0: Holy shit, dude. Yeah, so that basically described episode 21 and a half in a nutshell from that.
1: And I can't do it any justice describing it in words. Like, you have to go watch it for yourself. Even if it's out of context, just to see how fucking scary it
0: is. You okay, buddy? Yeah, I'm good. Go. Okay. Yeah, roots. Can you give me your thoughts on these four characters, please?
2: All right, splitting this up. Let us see. Uh, let's start with uh, Hasagawa. I, I really like it when Sabat plays sort of the calm and collected one. It's it's something I you don't really see a lot. Maybe more so now because he he's in a lot more things than even back then wide variety of roles and whatnot and yeah him breaking down at the end of uh 20 and a half just stabbing people he knew just to just to put them out of their misery that that was something and um what? i really didn't like the character of now when that OVA. <laughs> Like I, I I'm Wait, s- you didn't like her character? I didn't. I liked the performance. I didn't like the character.
0: Okay. I I, I, I can see why. I guess I... Well, I can kind of see why. But just so I know, though, no, why do you not the character of Matt now?
2: I can't put aside what she attempted to do. Okay. I can't put aside the fact that she basically ate her family in the hopes that they would come back. Okay. And they didn't. And I can't I can't sympathize with her in the aftermath because that was a really monstrous act.
0: Right. I see what you're saying. But uh, what do you think of Cynthia's now?
2: As for the dub performance, I actually really did like it because she did kind of try and put that naive little bit of humanity into it where you can tell the show kind of wants you to start sympathizing with her, but you really don't want to. And moving on to uh, 21 and a half with uh, Stephanie Young. I, I actually do kind of sympathize with her. Because you know she's okay. actually trying to keep her mother from attacking other people. Like she's I can't agree with the idea of letting someone who is who is infected with this disease where they're basically dead already. Like that's kind of a, it's, you know, it's time to let go kind of situations. But I, I do sympathize with her trying to do this in a way that other people won't get hurt. And as for Stephanie Young's performance, I really, uh, I really did kind of like it in that episode. And I do like the fact that you do actually see her in episode twenty-two at the very end in the uh, in the sizzle,
0: right?
1: Oh yeah, she did make it out, yay! But the mom didn't.
0: Yep. At the end, um, she at the end of um just for con just for some context, uh, at the end credits, there is an after credit scene where we're on the bus getting our stuff up, and in the back we have the the Tanaka siblings. And then this bus stops, and they let on one of Ozuki's nurses. I don't remember her name off the top of my head. Uh, the older woman one that gets
1: kidnapped at one point to be food.
0: Yes. Her. Uh, Natsuno's dad. Idiot. <laughs> we idiot. Unfortunately, we're not talking about I had a running counter just
1: called Natsuno's dad's an idiot, and I think I got it up to five before I stopped being a prominent character.
0: Yeah. And then um, we also have Kanami. Who also makes it out of there as well. Who's conned me again? Oh, that's Straight Stephanie up. Young. So, oh, the first so we're talking question. About right now.
1: Did they show what happened to her mom or no?
0: No. No, I'll they did not. to that
2: in just a sec.
0: Alright, yes. Continue, please.
2: So, Dana Schultz is fucking scary. <laughs> <laughs> like, I oh mean, my god. Uh, <laughs> like,
1: Holy her shit.
2: performance as Maeda. Holy shit. And... Like now, she does something that I absolutely cannot sympathize with, and that was rat out the fact that, um, that Konami was keeping her shiki mother,
1: yeah, at her house,
2: which implies that you know the lynch mob came and killed her. Hmm.
0: Yep, and right, it's just that
2: <laughs> it pissed me off so much more than. <laughs> Even more than her basically sitting with her son in the bathtub while he dies. Like, she is not a character you are designed to like. And I I really like the dub performance of her, and I am ready to pass it on.
0: I'll just go real quickly, and I'll just say if I'm on last for this one. Yeah, I will agree that Dana is fucking scary. I'll also say this. uh, Why is Dana not in more things and is more named characters? It's kind of sad because I think for a one-shot character like this, it's it's a phenomenal performance and I really wish I could see her in more stuff. She has done recent shows, sure, but nothing named character, which is v- kind of disappointing and sad, uh, but yeah, she's very, very terrifying and it was very crazy. It, it, it's very interesting with these two OVA episodes, and I kind of want to lead this into Hasegawa and Christopher Sabbath. Each of the OVA episodes, you see two different sides on the human end. You see Hasegawa, who is, in my opinion, probably the most human character of the group, because uh, he feels a sympathy and he mercy kills Ishiki, while everyone else around him is just going absolute Blood for the Blood God! Exactly. Like they're killing all these people and some of it's indiscriminate because one of the things in the OBA episode is um Hasagawa's in the tunnels and they're he's talking to his guy while they're staking the shiki. And um he tell he tells them, um Oh, I'm going after the ones that I don't like in real life too.
1: Exactly. I liked when they were alive too. I'm gonna have extra fun in killing them. Exactly.
3: Yeah, that ends up well for him, doesn't it? <laughs> Oh, no. oh yeah, no, that guy gets
1: fucking, gets fucking staked too. I, I, I
3: know, it. that was sarcasm.
0: <laughs> but yeah, um, the Sabbath, he plays probably the most human character of the show, who just feels, he, he understands what needs to be done. He, he gets it. But at the same time, these creatures, they were also human once they're trying to survive. So I, I, I love Chris Sabbath's performance in this. It's just downright amazing. Cause he, he doesn't outright condone what the Shiki have been doing compared to anyone else in the show. Uh, he does not condone their actions verbally, physically nothing, but he doesn't a hundred percent sympathize with them either. He's, He's, oh, he's kind of in the middle, and he's kind of struggling with that for the majority of the episode. Well, on the opposite end, we have Maeda, who is basically cursing them to high heavens, and has gone nuts, and just wants to, like, wants the village to die by the end of that episode. So on the human hand, those two OVA episodes show different sides when I say who is actually the monster in all this. Those two are a very interesting contrast when you look at those two OVA episodes, and those performances are just absolutely wonderful. Stephanie Young is Konami. I only really included because um, she's an integral character in the second OVA episode alongside Maeda but Stephanie has a really good performance as well, and she's such a strong woman. But she also has she's also um, at a loss when her mother dies, and She's trying to figure out what to do and tries to protect her mother throughout all this chaos and make sure she doesn't attack anyone. And it's a very interesting performance seeing this strong woman just slowly soften up and become vulnerable. God, when her mom, like, taps on the glass for her, I was like, oh, no! Oh, yeah. And then, um, Cynthia Cruz is now... When I reviewed this show a few years ago, one of the things I remember talking about, and I still agree with some of my thoughts back then, um, Now is one of those Shiki where the show wanted this viewer to be sympathetic towards. Because we learned that Now's parents were alcohol gamblers who abandoned her when she was six years old. All she's ever wanted was a loving family who cares for her, which she got, and then she ended up dead. So she tries to bring her family over with her so she can be with him forever, but it just doesn't work out. A a lot of everything that's been everything so far, like Root saying he doesn't agree with her actions, and Megan saying now wants to be with her family again, but her demons are catching up with her. I agree with both of you. Uh, Now is a character you can sympathize with, but only if you don't condone her monstrous actions. And Cynthia's performance in all of this is just downright amazing. It's one of those... Underrated performances from the show, because Cynthia plays now as this sweet and kind woman who just who just wants her family, but she can also be fucking terrifying. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed these performances a lot. So uh, bravo, bravo to you all. Um, Amon how do you feel about these four performances? Uh,
3: I think they're all they're all very very high quality. Um, I liked what um, Savit brought to Hasegawa. I thought he, he did a good job with kind of that sort of you know. He's very quiet and gentle, and then at the end, just very like sad and heartbroken. Um, you know, to see all this happening to people who are, you know, mom- you know, monsters of some sort, but are still people he knew. And unlike a lot of the other villagers, clearly cannot like separate that those two aspects. Um, and that is, he was he was very good and heartbreaking. Um, I like Stephanie Young a lot, um, especially just seeing her. It's like, Mom, you're back. Like here, have some have some pudding, please eat. <laughs> you're back have this oatmeal this oatmeal i just start having 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 to wrestle with the fact like my mother's come back but something's not right and i don't know what to do um but i think i mean i think as we make clear the the gold medal in this section goes to cynthia and dana for covering a lot of ground in not a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I found I liked, I like liked how Cynthia brought to now. I thought she did well being, you know, pleasant when she's alive and then just descending into bitterness and anger after she dies and just, you know, to sort of the end where it's like, oh, God, what have I done? Um, I would say I'm not, I'm not sure she's sympathetic, but I do think she's very tragic. Okay. Because, you know, she, she, you know, yeah, she- she.
0: That, that's an interesting point to make. She, she
3: feels very tragic, because, you know, she's finally built up this family life she's happy with, and that gets ripped away from her, and she's presented with an opportunity to maybe get it back. And it just goes well, the worst not possible only way. That,
1: she kind of blames herself for it, yeah. because she's the one who said, Oh, come on into my house to a fucking drill-hair man and a hooker. <laughs> um, which yep. we'll get to in a minute! Um, I'm sorry! Shizuru looks like a fucking hooker.
3: Yeah, and I liked a lot of what Cynthia brought to that role. I thought she she nailed all the right high beats, um, particularly in like is it is it twenty point five? That's her episode.
0: Yes. Like particularly yeah. in that, it's just
3: easy. like, oof, oh boy, and uh, and Dana's also, oh boy. Who got oh, Dana! You? Dana knocks it out of the park here. Just, just, just she just wants to keep her kids safe. You know and 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 just not and not get put upon by her cranky like in-laws all that much
1: your mother-in-law yeah please tell me that life. you watched the episode not on the airplane <laughs>
3: Uh I didn't watch that one on the airplane. I got to watch that one not on the airplane. <laughs> okay, good. I, I watched the last episode on the airplane. Oh no. <laughs>
1: Did you didn't you watch eighteen on the airplane though? I think so. Yeah. Oh
3: god. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's like the kind of other I watched, big I watched a like good show oh fuck. from, Like fourteen to I like think seventeen on an airplane. Um so that was fun. Um you know,
0: the fact that Dana's just so memorable for just a one shot character just speaks volumes uh not just it doesn't just speak volumes for her, but it also speaks volumes for the show itself. Yeah,
1: it's it's something that I wanted to bring up is um our our good friend, you might have heard of him, small-time internet reviewer uh, Glass Reflections. <laughs> it, yeah, that has been. Um, that hack. Nice. We love you, we, Tristan. We really love I'm you. sorry, Art. We love you, Art. Uh, he actually called the OVAs of Shiki some of the best single episodes of anime he has ever watched. Yes. yes we don't yes, know yes, which yes. one... But there's two options, so we're, either, we're right at one point. But say, if I had to pick, I'd say 20 and a half. Yeah, I think it's 20 and a half going by the footage he used in the episode, but we'll clarify, I'll clarify when I see him. I mean, no wrong answer. In no,
0: no case. wrong answer either way. Yeah. Yeah, because I actually think that 21
1: and a half is stronger than 20 and a half. Well, the only reason why I like 20 and a half more is because of that moral ambiguity. Oh, yeah, no, the moral ambiguity is great, but I also
0: am going to like something that literally makes me so uncomfortable that I felt like no, I, I, I get was going to puke. I just feel like it had a more stronger sense of the show's themes compared themes. to um, the other so That's, I mean, that's why I really like that episode compared to the other one. Uh, any other <laughs> thoughts before we move on?
3: Um... Yeah, Dana's real good, and I did I did a little like very brief research as to why she's not in more things. I think she's a maid, I think she does a lot of like um, theater acting uh-huh. in Dallas. Um, so I suspect it's just she's busy.
0: Yeah, that would do it.
3: Because she's definitely she's definitely got the chops it. to be a lead. I I I suspect she just doesn't have the time
0: right, to be a lead. That would do it.
3: Yeah. Anyways, but uh, that that's my thoughts.
0: Understandable. We're ready to move on. Let's yeah. do it. Let's move on to those Kirishikis. We're going to talk about the two owners of the Kanemasa Mansion who move into Sojoba at the start of the show. Uh, One is a Shiki and the other we actually find out is a human who has aligned himself with the Shiki. So we have Seishiro and Shizuru Kirishiki. They are the quote unquote parents of this, um, the adults, <laughs> the, the adults and the, um, the parents of this child that we will be discussing leading are later on, uh, for Mr. Shiki, who is the human between the two. We have Mr. J. Michael Tatum, who has been in series such as Black Butler, Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood and Kamisama Kiss. While Chizuru, who is the Shiki of the two, is voiced by Lydia McKay, who has been in series such as Shakugan Oshana, Trinity Blood, and shin Is this
1: where I get to start talking about the, the, the crazy, awful fashion and hair in this fucking show?
3: I mean, this is a I good mean, start, too.
1: Holy fucking shit. Um. Shiki is what I'm going to assume as a cosplayer's worst fucking nightmare. Um, (laughs) All of the hair in the show makes god-awful sense. Uh, I mean, please look at the image on your screen if you are watching this and not just listening to the audio. Of when Mr. Seishiro Kirishiki literally you could start hanging things off of his hair. And Chizuru at points literally goes out dressed like a hawker. Yeah. Like I think there's a there's a part where um Dr. Ozaki goes to the um government office. Yes. That has been converted and filled with Shiki. So that the Shiki can basically make it look like nobody in the town has died, they've all moved away and therefore died when they got out of town. Um and she snaps and is laying on this like couch thing that like it looks like the draw me like one of your french girls couches from titanic like <laughs> yes and glittering gold ribbon only pretty functional, much functional bitch um i know uh i guess i'll just start then right go ahead at this point you're already on a roll right, so i'm gonna start off with seishiro to which um j michael tatum is probably the perfect english casting for this because um Oh my god, I can't believe this is how we're going to mention this guy for the first time. <laughs> how many of you know about J-Rock and J-Pop? Or mostly J-Rock? Me! A little bit. Would you believe that Seishiro Kirishiki is the first Seiyuu voiceover role that GACT ever did?
3: No, that's pretty believable. Slightly surprising it took until <laughs> 2010. But believable.
1: For all of you who are wondering who Gact is, he is a famous, famous Japanese musician. I mostly known for doing guitar, uh, but he is also kind of. I think I I don't want to say it's if he's associated with um visual kai visual k, but basically he is a really, really famous Japanese um singer, songwriter, record producer, and acting. Uh, yes, he was he was part of a visual K rock band called Malice Miser. Uh, but essentially a lot of people kind of know him for being just like this this crazy, like huge Japanese magician. A uh, Japanese musician, not magician. Though <laughs> so you would think he's magic on his mic, uh, on his guitar. Uh, but in terms of being a you. um He did have a character in Final Fantasy Dirge of Sergerus and Crisis Core designed after him. Yeah, but Shiki was uh, basically his first regular voice casting role. But yeah, no, Tatum was deliciously hammy as uh, Seishiro uh, Kirishiki, who is this very over-the-top flamboyant character who, I think, who has a lot of depth in him, too, because he gets into this one conversation with Natsuno later on. And I think this is probably one of the coolest things about Shiki is that whoever, um, not everybody can be turned into a Shiki. Yes. And uh, he's one of the people who couldn't because they tried it on his dad and he's got this very interesting, albeit small arc about trying to overcompensate for his dad's toxic masculinity. But he can never become a Shiki because they bit his dad and his dad never rose up. Um. So I like the idea that Miyashiki is genetic, and then oh boy, Chizuru <laughs> is delightfully is le- delightfully like oh god, what's the name like? Uh, does anybody else know of a movie called? I think it's called Pleasantville,
3: the one where they I've they go into like the uh, the fifties TV show thing.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she so, she and her performance reminds me of like something very stereotypical out of that like like 1950s mom persona okay
3: very very june cleaver
1: yes which is all the more freaky that she's a blood-sucking hooker dr- hooker looking vampire um and there is also this weird sense of childishness to her but goddamn when she gets fucking bamboozled by yeah. dr Ozaki.
0: And she starts screaming for her life. Because here's key part. Um, up until that point, uh, Chizuru is basically... Um,
1: thinking that she's giving... She's hypnotized Dr. Ozzy. Correct.
0: She's been drinking his blood and getting him to do a bunch of things. And, um, and he's been playing along because... He's been playing the- along the entire time. But he then takes her to the Kagura dance and uses her... To expose to the village what the hell has been going on, making her technically among the first casualties on the Shiki side for this lynch mob.
1: Yeah, she is the one that Dr. Ozaki uses to convince the rest of the town that the Okiagari, which is the term that they were using, it is their urban yes. legend in Sotaba, the Okiagari, are, in fact... Real and living among them. And she actually gets taken out by the dad of her first victim because revenge is a a dish best served cold. And you kind of want to sympathize with her because she used to just be a housewife during World War II, but she's obviously got no sense of remorse for what she's doing um, until she bites it. And Seishiro just kind of goes around trying to get revenge, and he goes off the hook. Because he clearly loved her like a husband. Um, And I think that Tatum and and, uh, Lydia McKay really played off of each other well. Uh, Because there are times where they have to go around being a weird, wacky couple. Um, And I know Ark in his review compared Seishiro a lot to um, Isaac and Bacchanom. A very (laughs) similar performance. And hell yeah, if Isaac was a, a vampire sympathizing psychopath, this would be essentially his character. Pretty much. Uh, but I think I've talked too much, and I'm going to pass it on to whoever the hell goes next.
0: Uh, I'll go next and save the boys for last. Um, yeah, there's not a lot to be said about Tatum's performance as Um It's deliciously hammy and wonderful. Um, again, it kind of boils down to how well the series portrays its characters, uh, and in the case of Seishino, just wanted to be a Shiki, but he can't. So he just works with them and does... Uh, what he can to protect them as this human figure for them uh, and Tatum is just as hammy and campy as all hell and it's just great um, but I think the real winner f- for me here is um is Lydia McKay because because her cheesedo is she's she's very seductive in a way flaunts her assets very well but she's also seductive in her words and her actions because um, she, quote-unquote, seduces Dr. Ozuki. And uh, you actually believe he's under her control, but there are hints where you can tell he isn't. Uh, but Chizuru is also pretty tragic in her own right, because she just wanted to have a life. Uh, again, with many of the Shiki like Chizuru, they didn't have the choice. It's it's a big point they bring up with her and with, um, with Sunako, that they did not have the choice as to whether they want to be Shiki or not. So Lydia McKay, she was, oh my God, she was. Uh, I, oh, I loved every second of it. She was such an innocent child in her own way, but she's also very tragic in her own way as well. And Lydia portrayed those sides very well. She met the hammer of justice. Oof. She did, and uh, you know what? I I actually wouldn't be surprised if there is fan fiction, and her of her Dr. Ozaki. <laughs> Because some people just want to see that ship sail for some reason. Oh, trust me, there's a ship in this show, and
1: I will sail it until it (laughs) kills me. I know you will. You said this over and over again. Gentlemen, it's been an honor podcasting with you tonight.
0: (laughs) Uh, But anyway, yeah, I I enjoyed both of these performances, but I think Lydia was the standout between the two. Uh, Abad, how do you feel about these two characters? I like them both a lot.
3: Uh, I agree, I thought Lydia did a wonderful job. Um, you know, she's, she's just so much fun. She's out there being kind of casually, not evil, but like terrible, because she's going around hypnotizing people and killing them. And, uh, just, you know, behaving like she just got off, got out of a high fashion show in New York. Uh, and she's just a delight to listen to. Um, but I also like that, you know, when we see her like before she became a Shiki, uh She brings this very nice gentleness, these few bits we see where she was just, you know, some, some housewife with a loving husband, which he quite liked, and then all got taken away from her um yeah no i thought uh i enjoyed her a lot and i enjoy i also enjoyed tatum he was very fun He was very hammy um he makes me wish there was more anime that was this sort that had this kind of like classic european gothic horror bent to it because he's really good at it and uh you know usually when you get vampires in anime they tend to be you know helsing which isn't gothic so much as violent
0: bloody and, uh, and gory not, violence not... that's helsing yeah, this, this is
3: pretty this is this is this one's pretty gothic up until about episode twenty when it takes a hard right into action horror. But up until then, I just enjoyed sort of the grandioseness he brought when he's you know, hello neighbor, I'm out here with my <laughs> four dobermans. How are you doing? Those
1: fucking dogs. <laughs> just, just <laughs> out
3: for a uh, run. Oh out my god, I
1: did not understand what the dobermans thing was. And it's, then I saw that and I was like, what was the kidding? fuck? It's
3: because it's because it, it's a it's a gothic horror story. What's a gothic horror story without dangerous Cause dogs? Because why
1: the fuck not?
3: They might eat you.
1: Is it really bad that okay? So there's like a scene where um, the Shiki kidnap the one of the nurses and from um, Doctor Ozaki's clinic. And at night, and I actually really appreciate this about the show for a full figured woman who wears um, basically a panty, a bra, yeah. and like a night a nightgown like slip, where she gets chased by the Dobermans in the woods after. Um, Two of the Shiki let them escape because one refuses to drink blood and the other one finally gives in to his shit, her, her, and goes out with her. And, uh, so she's getting chased around the woods. Uh, how many of us have seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Yeah.
2: I mean, Roots? let's face facts here. Who hasn't? We all have.
1: Who Okay. It? You know the part where, um... Riffraff like tries to burn Rocky and he escapes and starts running around that, the, the castle
2: Yeah,
1: you know the synthesizer music for when the wolves are chasing Rocky so
3: that was playing in your
1: head <laughs> yep yes! I want someone to take that music to her getting chased by the dogs and put it together please <laughs> but you know the exact music I'm talking about oh, too God. aren't you you're all hearing it right now
2: yeah <laughs> We've probably all been to Midnight Showings. We've all made the jokes.
1: You know what? I I kind of want to watch Rocky Horror with you guys now and AB just so we can do the call-ups because they're fucking amazing.
0: Nice. Uh, Anyway, any more thoughts on... um... Uh,
3: No, they're both real good.
0: Okay, Roots!
2: So, I'm actually kind of legit surprised. By what? I hope they didn't need those sets again because those seem... Because all that scenery is just chewed up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: Like the both of them are just glorious hams. Like not just Tatum, but Lydia, Lydia McKay as well. I I love both of the performances, even if the characters themselves are, are like probably the group you are designed to sympathize with the least in the entire show. Right. Well. You know what? Somebody will get to I think in the next group probably takes that trophy and runs with it, but
1: <laughs> You're probably but, right. Um, oh, I know who you're talking <laughs> about in the next crew.
2: Like I I love Tatum's like rough rider personality, especially in the end where he's just shooting everybody up with his high-powered rifle.
0: Dear god. And then... Uh, oh, that was the best.
2: And then uh, Lydia's character... Sorry, I am really bad with names. But in any case... Um, she's Just her character is sauntering around... Just in the most <laughs> impractical outfits imaginable. <laughs> and she's just seducing just about... Okay, you know what? One of my favorite lines in the whole show... Is where she's basically... Explaining to Dr. Ozaki. That the only the only people she will feed on are like virile young men.
1: Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah.
2: But um in any case Woo baby. Both actors played their parts very, very well, and I will uh Oh wait, I'm the last person, so I I'm ready to move on.
0: Oh boy. Oh god. Are we ready to talk about one of those characters we wanted to punch in the face? And thankfully, Megwe did that for us on several occasions. <laughs> Megumi did it like, me-
1: like, okay, yo, yes. <laughs> All right. That is like, okay, this character's death is the single most satisfying moment in the whole show.
0: Even if it's off screen. No, for who did it? I don't give a shit it was off screen. It, it's great. Uh, so the next two characters we're going to talk about, we have Masa Murasako. Uh, <laughs> oh god, this motherfucker, he, um, he, uh... He looks like, he looks like... He looks like he got hit with the ugly stick. I mean, he lo- he, lo- he looks
3: like someone took Robert Smith and just stretched him out really badly.
0: <laughs> so basically, Masao is a whiny little shit who, who only cares about himself. Uh, he ends up being turned into a Shiki, of course. Because, uh... Cause of course you want to. Of course, this shit. fucking guy gets to live. And the other person we're going to discuss is uh, Ritsuko Oda. She is a nurse at the OZ clinic. Uh, later on, we do find out she does have feelings for another character. We're going to discuss later. Not even try. You don't. Nope. Show. Fuck off. <laughs> we- we'll get
1: to your ship, <laughs> Megan. We'll-, we'll get to it,
3: Megan. Megan. All these ships are doomed to fail. It doesn't matter.
1: <laughs> and um. um... It just Even the Titanic up. got halfway across before
0: it went down. <laughs> Holy shit, that was awful. Yep. Uh, and uh, just kind of just bring this up as well because Megan briefly mentioned it before too. Uh, Ritsko does get turned into a Shiki. however, she is the one who refused to drink blood. She went down like a fucking champ. She went down like a champ. Oh my god! Like bitch went down like a fucking champ fucking martyr shit okay uh anyway the individuals who are voicing these characters uh, i'm gonna start with ritsuko ritsuko is voiced by colleen clinkerbeard who you've heard in series such as bacchano case close and fullman alchemist meanwhile Maso is voiced by todd haberkorn who has been in series such as fairy tale d gray men and Owen high school host club can i go first roots oh, never mind no i, I was gonna have roots go first i'm making things fun and interesting roots can you tell me your thoughts on these performances please
2: <laughs> Masao.
1: <laughs> That's one bit
2: this what
0: made Masao deserved fucking to die.
2: Weasel. <laughs> Little douche nugget. <laughs> but um, I I really like the uh. I like that Todd kind of adds a certain level of slime to him. Yeah, like he. The character itself you can kind of i don't want to say i sympathize with him but i kind of i kind of see where the fact that he is a little shit comes from where basically he was like the only child for like the longest time and then his his dad i guess remarried or something and then he no a no no no. He's, no he's he's, he's, he's not an only was. child
0: he has an older brother. Oh,
2: right, right, right. And then it's it's his wife. And... He
0: has an older brother, a.k.a. Robert McCollum. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. That... It's the old man that's actually their dad. Right, right, right. Like,
2: it, it's kind of the new-
0: The old- they're,
1: The dad makes it through, right? I think the dad- Yes, is, the dad yeah. does, yes. The dad, the older brother, and the sister-in-law. It's just him and the, and the nephew. Correct. Oh, because they also had a niece. He also had a niece, so I guess she also was one of the ones that made it.
0: No? Uh, I don't remember there being a niece, It's hard to but, keep track uh, of the
2: body count in this show.
0: It's hard to keep track of his characters, that's what the problem is here.
2: Yeah, it, it's one of those things where, you know, he's an uncle yeah. as a teen, and you, he's not old enough to uh, <clears throat> accept the responsibility of being an uncle. Like, I, I can kind of see that, but He's a—he's just the most punchable shit, <laughs> um, and I really like Todd Haberkorn's performance. Now, uh, Reiko, on the other hand, um, she's really sweet, and I, I really, really enjoy Colleen Clinkenbeard's performance, <clears throat> especially at the end where she's locked up and she—she's turned. Sun's starting to come in. She's just like, you know what? Um, I'm out. <clears throat> I'm not doing this. Fuck all y'all. I'm burning to a crisp. <laughs> yeah.
1: She doesn't even burn. She gets staked in the end. True. Yeah. So it means that not only did she she probably like willingly got staked by the way. Yes, yeah. Because judging by her face, she she willingly got staked and so did who she died with. Yes.
0: Hand in hand, but that ain't changing fucking shit, Joe. We'll get to it, Megan. Calm down. <laughs> Roots, continue your thoughts, please. Uh, That's
2: basically it. I-, I like what both of them added to the performance, and I will pass it on.
0: All right. Uh, Alma, can you go next, please? Yes.
3: Um, I enjoyed these two a lot for different values of enjoyed. Um, Todd is just so slimy. That's... <laughs> Masao is not a tragic figure, but the fact that he gets turned into a Shiki and not other more deserving people, perhaps, is a tragedy in of itself. It's all very <laughs> ironic. You're not wrong! I, mean, I feel like that's sort of the point. It's like, you know, poor now, who is the only person in her entire family who rises up gets nothing, but Masao's got the gene? So unfair. Um, but I, Genetics I, I,
1: is a hell of a thing. Right? Yeah, um, it is. But Todd was
3: just delightful in this. I sometimes forget that Todd actually has a lot of, like, range and character. In my mind, he occasionally gets lumped in with, like, oh, he's a shonen dude, right? Um, but he's just so wonderful. It's just this slimy little weasel who's clearly not cut out to be a vampire, but I guess he is. Oh, well. You're never gonna be good at this, and you're gonna get stabbed by your uh, sister-in-law when you come crawling back home.
1: Whoops. <laughs> the Whoops. best part is that she fucking took him out. Oh, yeah,
3: definitely. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was, and com- she did it by being sneaky. It's like yeah, it was it's completely like... off screen because um, Masao was trying to find some place to hide before he accidentally falls asleep. He ends up going home. His sister in law is there changing because she's been dealing with all these dead bodies, and um, and she's been like straight up like super chill about fucking offing people. Yeah, but she she lets him in, and she's like it's okay, oh We're family. And she has this fucking metal. She has like a fucking pickaxe.
3: She's ready to go. And it was beautiful. You, you dumb Rube. She doesn't like you.
1: <laughs> and she has no reason to, by the way, because he is a fucking asshole to her. Yeah.
3: Um, yeah, you yeah, know, but Todd was delightful. He was, he was, he was, he was such, he's such a good little weasel. It's wonderful. I liked it so much. And I really enjoyed Colleen's performance. Um, uh, you know, like she was fine up until the end of the show, but once uh, Ritsuko gets turned, and she's basically going, like, Oh, you had to eat people to survive? You had to? Fuck your had to. I'm gonna sit here and starve <laughs> like a good person. Yeah.
1: I'm gonna die like a good person. I'm gonna die like being a good
2: person. I may Scruff is gonna die the yeah, same way he lived. Yep. <laughs> I'm gonna die with my boots on.
1: Starving it with
3: my boots yes. on. Um, no, she was great. I I like I liked her a lot, especially that like mm-hmm. like that stretch in the last like what five five six episodes, something like that. Um, yeah, yeah, she was great. I liked her a lot.
0: Our Lord and Savior, like a Beard. Our Lord and Savior, Ritsuko uh Megan, how do you feel about these two performances?
1: Um, let's let's get. I want to spend a little bit more time on Tonica. Not Tadaka. I'm oh, sorry. Whoopsie. Maso. Then Ritsuko. 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 is a really great character for this type of show. She is the one that she doesn't know what's going on. When she does become aware of it, too, she doesn't change who she is, and she does not compromise. That she is a good yes. fucking person. Like she is selfless to a flaw, and that flaw is it. Well, selfless. And that selflessness kind of helps take another character out of his selfishness and stuff. And honestly, when they find her body, when her body and that character's body were brought out, I think that's when I almost started to cry. Uh, her being turned actually, I think, was the most emotional for me because she she kind of was she saw now and she didn't know how to process it and her own sisters were, her sister and her mom were kind of being turned too, And she gets turned, not because someone she knew lured her in, but because she was going to save the other nurse. So when she's presented with having to eat her friend, her best, one of her best friends and her colleague, I think the line it's, I didn't become a nurse not uh, to hurt people. I became a nurse to save people. And I think Colleen really carried that in her performance. Um, I do wish that the show maybe gave a better indication on how old now was. Because um, sometimes it's like, is Colleen sounding uh, a little bit you too mean much? Ritsko. Ritsko, not now. Sorry, Ritsko. I get a lot of characters confused. There's a um, lot of characters. Yeah, Ritsko's age isn't really defined, so I can't say if Colleen sounds too old or too young. But I don't think that really matters in this case because she's captured the spirit of the character so much. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And that sometimes, I think, can trump someone sounding a little too old or a little too young when the character's own age is not made apparent. Moving over to Masayo! Holy cow! (laughs) Um, I think a lot of people forget how much fun it is to watch Todd Haberkorn play a slimy weasel. Yeah because everyone is so like everyone online is like oh i love todd as alan i love todd as natsu it's like nah fam that's the small brain the big enlightened brain meme knows that some of the best todd haberkorns are his slimy slimy weaselly motherfuckers like prince raj from mm. snow white with the red hair yes and i think for me kind of the defining moment for masao masao is a very early on for one character's. Uh, his versions of the funerals between his nephew and his friend where he didn't care that his nephew died because his nephew was taking away all of his family's attention and no one really cared about him and then when he goes to his friends he gets mad that Natsuno is there and that they're okay with Natsuno and he's like I cared about him too what about me what about me and they tell him to leave yes and Natsuno always feels like everyone's abandoning him and that he's And and you kind like the show tries to make you sympathize with him, but you don't because he's a slimy, weaselly motherfucker. Who, upon his first realization that he is awake, he asks if his nephew is, and when he says no, he smiles. There is no redeeming quality to Masao as a character, and that's why it's so fitting that his sister-in-law is the one to off him. Yeah. And I think that Todd's kind of like final lines in the show of being a slimy, pathetic weasel really carried through. And he also carried the spirit of through him. I don't think Todd Habricorn's a slimy, pathetic weasel in real life. He's not. But he's really good at playing them. And this again shows. And I think 2010 is right around when Todd Habercorn is starting to become like kind of a bigger name, I think, right?
2: In the whereabouts, yeah, I think this is like right Yeah, so before this is this is kind of
1: before Todd Todd becomes like super huge like he is now. So if you wanna see like early like Todd Habricorn has always had it and so is Colleen. Um and if you wanna go back and watch like, oh yeah, they've only become bigger because of Fairy Tale, come back and watch a show like Shigi where they're playing characters that are very much not like Urza and Natsu. Because mm-hmm. these two are I think some of the farthest departures from, I think, characters that a lot of people know for, like, mainstream stuff.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree on all points. Uh, Colleen is the sweet cinnamon roll, too good and pure for this world. She's the martyr in the latter bits of the show. And especially for another character, we will get into a um, little while. And um, Colleen just plays this beautifully. Her selflessness and her dedication to just want to save people, it's just... Really really wonderful. Um, I think that Ritsuko and Hasegawa are probably the most human of these characters And especially Ritsuko considering she does end up becoming Shiki and she refuses to feed off of people And then Todd is Masa'o I think I only wrote one note and it reads as follows Todd is such an asshole (laughs) um, Because Masa'o is uh, such an asshole You can tell very early on that Maseo is going to be one of those characters you love to hate or you just downright hate. When Megumi beats the shit out of him in the woods, it's probably one of the best parts of the show. Whenever Megumi beats him up, it's great. Uh, But one of the very early moments where you can tell he's a very troubled child and very selfish is um, the flashback to his interaction with his then soon-to-be sister-in-law. He's like, do you hate me? Everybody hates me. It's only natural that you would hate me, too, and the sister-in-law is, like, Nah, I'll make that judgment call when it comes, but I think we should just give this a shot, you know? Like, it's, like, she's genuinely trying, and, uh, Masao's, like, yeah, okay. And he hates her ever since then, for some reason, because, uh, he's just a selfish, spoiled little shit. Uh, but... Todd plays a wonderful, selfish, spoiled little shit. And like everyone else has said at, like everyone else has said to this point, you don't get to see Todd play that character type often enough. I mean, another example of a slimy little shit, and it's uh oh so wonderful and hammy to me, is um Sword Art Online. You get Why that you out of this house, Ricky up? Bobby. How dare you. I have to bring the evil into this house, Ricky Bobby, because that's actually one of those performances in that show that I actually love because it is so fucking slimy. It's beautiful, honestly, for her show. Sword on the Line is shit. For a dub, it's meh. Todd Hapricorn in the dub for Sword on the Line? Holy fucking shit. It's a sight to behold, honestly. Um, but Masao oh here motherfucker got what he deserved. I-, I-, I think he got what he deserved, honestly. Yep. Uh, as far as I can tell, there's nothing redeeming about this kid at all, so whatever. Uh, you win some, you lose some, I guess. Uh, ready to move on? Yeah. Let's move on to the Tanaka siblings. We're gonna talk about Kadi Tanaka and Akida Tanaka. A cat, a cat boy who isn't a cat
1: boy and flower hair.
0: Pretty much.
1: Oh yeah, I forgot to talk about um Ritsuko's, uh Rapunzel Rapunzel uh, fucking ponytail.
0: <laughs> anyway, so the Tanaka siblings, they are introduced very early on uh, with Kaudi in particular because she is quote unquote Megumi's friend, Megumi Shimizu's friend um who we'll get to very shortly. In air quotes. In air quotes, only because Megumi doesn't really See you guys. Megami fucking all. hates everybody. Megumi hates everybody. Uh, Kaudi and Nakata, uh, they are two characters who very early on have suspicions about what's going on with the recent deaths in the village. And at least for the first half of the show, they do try and help Natsuno try and discover what's going on and figure out how to resolve it. Uh, as for the actors who are voicing these characters, Cowardy Tanaka is voiced by Alexis Timpton, who you may have heard in other work, such as Baka and Tass- the Vision of Escaflowne, for the Funimation dub, and uh, Yurikuma Adashi. As for Akita Tanaka, we have Lucy Christian, who has been in series such as Aria, the Scarlet Ammo*, Clanad, and Fullmetal Alchemist. Um, I'll get my thoughts out of the way first. Uh, these two, they're very good performances. The characters themselves can be kind of forgettable sometimes. Though, to be fair, Cowdy, <laughs> oh my god, did she lose her ever fucking mind? Because, um, towards the end of the show. <laughs> oh god, where she, she offs her own dad with a bat and a shovel. Mm-hmm. Oh god, because, um, towards the end of the show, her dad is dead and has risen as a shiki. Her mom is dead, dead, uh, and Akita's gone missing. So it's just her and the dog. So while she's barricaded herself in their house, she hears someone trying to get in. She she realizes it's her dad as a shiki, and just all of a sudden, stone up. cold face, eyes wide, just kills him. It's insane. And one of the last scenes you see her and Akita in is in a hospital bed in the next house over, and she's just sitting there, zoning out. To spacing out. Meanwhile, we have not enough the side Just acknowledge him or anything.
1: My my thing is in in that scene because of another line. Um, I don't know if I want to reveal this part about not to know yet. Cause I, but I feel like it just kind of may clarify that scene. Um, another character says to not to know that he's had blood recently, so his powers are a little bit better. So my guess is that he may have taken from Kauri.
0: No. Okay. Incorrect. Um, it's basically implied that he not only took blood. Um, he not only took blood from Doctor Ozugi to prevent Chizadu's full control over him, but um, he also took blood from Mister Kirishiki. That's right. Because he hypnotizes Mister Kirishiki. That's it right there. Uh, but we're getting ahead of ourselves, and Natsuno is another animal entirely. Uh. With Alexis and Lucy's performances here, I enjoyed them. They were fun. They were innocent. They were disturbed at points. Um, but the characters themselves compared to a lot of other characters and performances are unfortunately just <laughs> not as memorable to be. Me. And I think that's more on the fault of the characters themselves and how they were written uh, compared to how Alexis and Lucy performed them. Uh, but my question is... How the fuck did Akira get out of his situation?
3: Uh, I, bl- um, I believe the implication is Natsuno showed up. Yeah, Natsuno and, uh, gets him
0: out. i about to say, that's the implication, yeah. But the problem is. <laughs> it's um... a plot hole because in the, in the original series, uh, Akira
1: doesn't get out. Aha!
0: Uh-huh. That explains a lot of things then.
1: Did not know this. Yeah, he. he in the original series, from what I, I looked up, he doesn't get out. And I believe in the original series, um, oh God, I, I, I guess for spoiling this, um, I believe in the original series, Not Snow also doesn't get turned into a Jinro. Uh. Really? Uh,
0: I'm gonna, I'm gonna double check this. It's, um, we'll, we'll talk about more about Not Snow later and you can bring it back up then. But yeah, for me, um, I love the performances from Alexis and Lucy. The problem is, is the characters won't, weren't memorable, Compared to some of the others, um, Amon. How do you feel about uh, Alexis and Lucy as the Tonic Sisters? I sure your
3: feelings. They are not as standout as a lot of the other characters we've been talking about. I think in part because they they show up a little bit less. Um, I think just because they're a little younger, they don't have as much rich inner life as like some of the adults do. Um, because Kaori is not a bitter, you know, not a just a walking personification of bitterness like Megami. Um, <laughs> but I did, I thought they did a very solid job. And I did particularly enjoy Alexis's turn in like the last third of the series, from being like concerned older sister to like, Mister Senshin, can you give me a posthumous name? I've dug my grave already. I'm here in my dirty oh, tracksuit. I might I might oh. die soon. Can you help oh. me so I may rest eternally?
2: Oh, yeah, Megami yeah, she, is she basically after spends
3: me. She's going to kill me. Kill her because she had the audacity to like speak to Megami's not boyfriend. Megami's the worst. <sighs> let's just let's say. That. We'll talk about that more. Maybe in a bit. He's, he's the worst. Um, so I, d- I did like that turn a lot, um, but I thought they were both very solid, even if they were not given as much to do compared to like um, a lot of the other characters.
0: Okay, uh, Roots, yeah. how do you feel with how do you feel about the Tonic siblings?
2: Ah, uh, yes, the Scooby Gang. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, I mean, would where's do my, the lie? I, I do my Shaggy impression again, but I've already done that in Hyoka and Devilman Crybaby, so.
1: Do it again.
2: Like Zoink Scoob! Gotta get (laughs) to the vampire mansion!
1: (laughs) Can you just do it but Zoinks, Natsuno?
2: Like Zoinks, (laughs) Natsuno! Yay! Now let's take off the mask and find out who the villain really is.
0: It's society! (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, Wow!
2: (laughs) Okay, okay. I, I gotta get off the joke. I gotta, I gotta get off the joke. Um, I I really like the two of them, despite really not having a meat, you know, like a meaty role in the show. They're they're just kind of there to be the, uh, they're kind of there to be the victims when they need to be. More mm-hmm. or less, it, they're there to instigate the uh, the vampire attacks. They're there to be kidnapped and. Natsugo, Natsuno has to uh, go and save them and whatnot. Uh, I I really liked it and you know, I'm usually not a fan of Lucy Christian as like older older teen boys, but uh, he's in like
1: middle school. Yeah, yeah,
2: he's like middle school age. It's still kind of a bit on the old side, but uh, I I really did like her in this, like this and Oron were. The two roles that I'm kind of like, okay, she, she can work as like a middle school age boy. Yeah. And uh, and I I really do like uh, Alexis Tipton, especially at the end of the show when she's when she, she's uh sorry I'm I'm looking up names uh she's like at at the temple begging Moroi for a posthumous name because she's not very good at it. Yup. Like. She, even though she doesn't get to do much, she is a really good character and Alexis Tipton plays her really well.
0: Megan, I think you're the last person to share the um. I really like them. I think that he is,
1: uh, really, really interesting. They are really, really interesting as kind of like the victims. I think I do agree with the fact that I do wish they were around a little bit more because obviously there's the one part where, um, Akira finally gets it in his head that, He's going to try to do what all the adults end up doing later on, which is, well, if they sleep during the day, I'm just going to go fucking kill one in their sleep. Um, yep. his only, his only downside was he forgot about a, a cat ears, a hair shaped like cat ears male stripper running around. Um, <laughs> Me, Every, I'm sorry. No one <laughs> expects the stripper inquisition. Mm-hmm. Um so, but I think Lucy Christian did a really good job catching kind of a prepubescent boy who's mm-hmm. trying to protect his older sister. But goddamn Alexis Uh like she has kind of a country girl accent. And it kind of reminds me at times only because I'm the, I'm like one of the four Hey, the other two people who watch the show with me are here. Um It sometimes kind of reminds me of uh, Mirere Toshiro from Token Rambu a little bit in her um, mannerisms. Mm. Mm. That's the one character that it kind of reminds me of, except for uh, uh, Mirere is a guy, though they make no attempts to give her a male-sounding voice at all because he looks like a little girl. But I think for me, yeah, the scene that really got me is when she comes crawling up to Moroi and is begging for a... uh, a
2: posthumous
1: posthumous name and she's just kind of on the verge of like panic attack crying yep Mm. and then she finally gets it in her to go whack her dad off but the other scene that really gets me is when she's sitting in her room against the window and megumi comes to taunt her
0: oh yeah when her dad just dies dies
1: yeah she's like, oh look your dad's dead and she like gets up and runs and you're like well fuck man
2: somebody give the poor girl a hug and a fruit roll up
1: <laughs> and a capri sun she's earned that capri sun she Goddamn. has earned the capri sun but yeah no that's all i gotta say on these two because i think uh we're finally at fun town <laughs>
0: Oh, from this point on, things are going to be really interesting. This is where, this is where shit's going to hit the. specifically this group. Yes, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's kind of funny how these two are together, actually. Oh, so you fuck. Let's just get it out of the way. Fuck Megumi. So basically, from this point on, the characters we're going to discuss have um, very large roles in the show. And the first two we're going to talk about, one among them is uh, the first of the victims in this whole shiki situation was she really a victim though shut up megan i'm working on stuff here uh we have megami shimizu who is a 15 year old girl who is who really just wants to get of sotaba and is seen among the village as rather weird because she dresses strangely compared to the other villagers um but She becomes a Shiki, and as you can obviously tell from the discussions we've had so far, uh, Megumi is a bitch. Still a better love story than Twilight. (laughs) It's so true. She also has a huge crush on Natsuno Yuki, to the point where she is a goddamn stalker. Uh, And then um, the other character we're going to talk about is one Mr. Toromuto, who is uh, Natsuno's best friend. I will go down with this ship. <laughs> Megan, hold your horses. Okay, so he's Natsuno's best friend. Or should I say forced upon best friend? He's, he's Natsuno's only friend. Natsuno's only forced friend, Forced yeah. upon. Bowow. Well, um, Natsuno doesn't want to be attached to anyone in the village, but he uh, manages to get it very attached to Toru. Uh, Toru unfortunately also becomes a casualty as he is killed by Megumi, hence the end of episode 4 where she comes crawling up from under the bed. Bitch! Uh, he also then becomes a Shiki and he goes on to- and, um, and we may as well say this because it does involve him. He ends up killing Natsuno halfway through the show. And Toru's main conflict throughout the course of the show is his mentality when it comes to killing people in order to survive. He's the um, he's the other character who is involved with Ritsuko, because when Ritsuko doesn't want to feed, uh, Toro is actually outside begging her to feed if so she could survive, and Ritsuko is the one who convinces him otherwise, and change his mindset with the two of them dying together. And uh, before Megan jumps in, I do have to say this, it is heavily implied that Toru has a crush on Ritsko and she ends up returning those feelings. However, Megan is under the impression that Toru and Natsuno are a thing. Are the best couple in this show. Fuck you, I'm right. It's it's just heavily implied that the ship could happen very easily. Run away with me, Toru! <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, uh, the individuals voicing these characters as the voice of Megumi Shimizu, we have Miss Tia Ballard, who has been in series such as Devil's a Part-Timer, Kamisama Kiss, and Shangri-La. Miro Toromuto is voiced by one Mr. Chris Burnett, who's been in series such as Romeo X Juliet, Big Windup, and Fafner Heaven and Earth. Um, I don't know how I want to start this. Uh, I, I do know I want to go last because uh, one of these characters is. Uh, <laughs> you have a history. I have a history. One of Can these. Can I go first? Um, go first. <laughs>
1: Yay! Man, no matter how hard you try, show I am not shipping Toru Ritsuko. No matter how you try. <laughs> I was so <laughs> upset when Toru got killed by me. So I'm like sitting there. I'm like. If you've watched the first opening of the show, by the way, almost everyone who turns into a skull gets turned into a shiki of some sort. Or dies. Um, at least. So one of the people who gets turned into a skull is Toru, so I mean I knew he was coming back because no one's that pretty and stays dead in a show <laughs> like this. Um You're not wrong. Fuck you show for using my ship against me. <laughs> but Chris Burnett did a fantastic job and you sometimes like you don't remember that this guy is such a good voice actor because you're just used to seeing him at GameStop trying to hork your <laughs> game by the I way I'm very, very very fully convinced that we actually did see him at Funimation in the hallway seriously yeah I think I saw him when we were in there oh I don't remember uh. Because I'm the only one who saw him. That means I'm either high and I don't do marijuana <laughs> or I'm crazy. That's debatable. Or he's a vampire. <laughs> Have we or looked into vampire. that possibility? Well, I don't know. He doesn't wait. Wait. Anyway. <laughs> but no, like, Toru ripped my heart out. Chris Chris Burnett, like, fucking tore my heart out, showed it to me and stomped on it. Yeah. Um. I got he when he not only when he's like. Trying to hunt down and he doesn't want to hurt Natsuno. Mm-hmm. And when he's leaving the flowers at his uh, window. Yeah. And then when he goes to face, see Suniko. Cause Suniko's like, like, Suniko likes you. Like, sunako has got you in her eyes. Um, but for me, again, like, the biggest thing is when he's screaming at Ritsuko to eat. And he's yes. like, I had to do it. They were gonna kill my family. It's like, yeah, and you still had the choice, and you still did it. You could have just starved, and you just feel awful for this guy, because he's a good person. He's not judgment. He and Re- he and Ritsuko were honestly the two nicest people in the village. They didn't judge anybody, because he was even friends with Maso. Yeah. Yep. Yep. He didn't judge, and that's why I think him turning into a monster is kind of the hardest. Yes. ...to deal
2: with. But also very, very uh, necessary.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because I think he is, of all the Shiki... ...the most sympathetic. Him and Riko Agreed. are the two most sympathetic. And you... you, I think, honestly... I think, uh, and I'll talk about this... ...when we talk about the, the three people... ...who we're talking about got turned into... ...or at least the two on screen that we get to see... ...turned into Jinro. Uh, my theory behind that. But, like, when he's crying... It is some of the most gorgeous shots in the show. Mm. And you just, and I think for me, the the scene that really gets me in the show with him is when he bites Natsuno for the first time at yes. the temple, at this little, like, shrine. And you hear him say, oh, yeah, you see that bug? He's just always there. He's always a constant. And I think that's what describes Toru, is he was the constant in Natsuno's life. And for the other mm-hmm. teens in the village, and then the seeing the constant get broken down to kind of a shell of his self and his morals is just disturbingly heartbreaking. And Chris Burnett nails that spirit. So does Tia Ballard, being a massive motherfucking bitch. I liked it a lot. <laughs> I thought she was a obnoxious, whiny teenager down to a T. She was a whiny little bratty bitch who thought she was better than everybody else and was going to use that to get out of her her shitty life when she didn't have a shitty life. And then she still kept being a shitty little snot, even when she was given immense power, which is why when she gets to go to the first annual tractor pull. <laughs>
2: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the first annual Sotaba to- Tractor Pull.
1: Oh, God. The only thing that would have made it better is if one of the tractors was driven <laughs> by her dad.
2: Um, On the red corner, the Wheat chopper o On the blue corner, Gumi Shimizu. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus
1: Who Christ. would win? <laughs> Who would win? One bitchy girl, one tractory boy. <laughs> anyway. I re- but I thought she was great, and it, it, it kind of... If that was the first... like I didn't have any real problems with it. I I liked it a ton. And I know that some people here have a history, but I think that she nailed it. And she nailed being an annoying little bitch. And that's what Megumi is. An annoying little bitch. And no matter what the show would do, I will not sympathize with her because she keeps being an undercut bully. Like, Mm -hmm. she jumps at the fact that she's gonna kill Toru because he... She's jealous of a relationship she doesn't have. Because Natsuno fucking can't stand her. Yep. And then when she thinks... Uh, and then uh, Tatsumi uses it against her. Because this is how... To kind of explain how good Tatsumi is. Despite looking like the dumbest looking character in the show. Uh, when Tatsumi uses that against her to get her to kill... Uh, the ma... The dad. The... The... Uh, the... Uh, you mean Kaudi's dad? Yeah, Kaudi's dad. And I find it this, that she's a really big hypocrite, too, because she wouldn't take out her own family. But yeah, she's like,
0: ha ha, you all take out your families. But anyway, I liked them. I liked them both a lot. Go. I mean, just to throw this out there, her justification for not killing her family is she didn't want them on the other side with her.
1: Yeah. She's like, oh, I don't want them on the other side with me. I hate them. Yeah. It's like, you're yeah. a bitch. You're being a hypocritical little bitch. Uh,
0: Roots, how do you feel about Tia and Chris's performances? First of all, I'm
2: sorry. I was going to make that tractor pull joke in my segment. I kind of. In any case, (laughs) uh, I'm going to start with Toru because I I really like the character and his performance. Uh, He starts out the show kind of as like the dude bro friend. Always insightful. Always has advice to give. And then he turns. And then he just... He doesn't want to go through attacking Natsume. Like, several times he's given the opportunity to attack him. And he chooses not to until the very last moment when uh, Megumi was about to. And then there's the speech at the end between him and Ritsuko that I I just really like. I do have to say this, as much as I don't like the character of Megumi... There was one moment of Tia Ballard's performance that, act- that actually gave me chills.
0: Okay, what was it?
2: And that was when uh, when she was in Toru's room taunting... Uh, of course we're talking the, about this!
0: <laughs> of course. She,
2: she's just standing there and she's just like... She's just pouting, Oh, you'll spend time with this guy, but you won't spend any with me. Just, like, just that just that ending line right there before she bites Toru in the neck. Like, that was just one of the it was one of the most menacing things I heard in the dub until damn you old man. Damn you old man. Yes. <laughs> like, you could just Yeah, no, that's this.
1: her crawling out from under the bed is what made me call Lilac and yell at her. Yep. Like she straight up called it. She was like, "I
2: hate you." One thing horror dubs have a lot of problems with is conveying menace, mm-hmm. conveying, "Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to just kill you. I want to make this hurt. I want to make this bleed." And I think Tia Ballard yeah. did a really good job with that, particularly taunting Natsuno with eating Toru. Onbon?
3: Um yeah, these two are really good. I think as we've made clear, Megami's awful. She's just she's she's angry she lives in the sticks, and she's angry that the other people in the sticks aren't angry they live in the sticks. It's very bad. Um Tia's like pitch perfect as this. She is exactly the she gives exactly the right performance for Megami. Where like you can kind of you can kind of understand where she's coming from, but she's just so consistently unpleasant about everything. Up to the point it's like Megami. You're about to die. Stop yelling about how you don't understand why they don't hate living in the sticks. You're not helping yourself. <laughs> Give it a rest. Well,
1: she was gonna fucking die Drop anyway, it. so... I
3: know, and I just find it hilarious that, like, right up to the end, you're just complaining about how you live in the middle of nowhere. Okay. Alright, you're terrible.
2: <laughs> Have fun at the tractor
3: pole. <laughs> <bowl. laughs> Um, but no, she was, she was really good, I thought. She was, she, she nailed the, like, kind of petulant teenagerness. but she, when, you know, they needed to pull out the menace, she could pull out the menace. Um, and, you know, I thought she did a very good job of feeling, like, one of the very, like, credible townspeople who gets turned into a scary monster. Uh, I liked her a lot. And, um, Chris Burnett was also wonderful as Toru. Uh, Toru, I'm not sure Toru's the most tortured of the Shiki, but he's the most, like, open about it the most often. <laughs> And you could just feel Chris Burnett's just anguish, shit. Like I don't want to be a monster that eats people, but I feel like I have no choice but to be a monster that eats people. I'm not happy here. Why couldn't I have stayed dead? At least I wouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Uh, and I thought I thought he just he did a wonderful job of bringing that forward for the character, and just making you feel you know he like he does plenty of bad stuff as a Shiki, but I feel like of the Shiki, you you feel some of the most for him. And what he just feels like is, is, is like this position he is stuck in, where he has so limited options. Uh, you know, to the point where it's like, well, oh, I'd rather, I'd rather, I, you know, I'd rather I be the one to kill you know than this this lady. But I'm 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 not happy about this. I'm just gonna leave flowers on his grave until the day I die. Oh, sad. <laughs> a little, imagine a little teardrop going down my face. Poor guy.
0: Or bubbles of tears. I mean, yeah,
3: that's
0: that's a thing apparently. When they cry, it's. Bubbles of tears.
3: Everyone, every See, vampire show needs a weird artistic flourish.
0: Badass. Blood tears. Dear God. Ugh. Blood tears is the name of my metal <laughs> band. Oh, uh, are you good? Yes. Okay. I guess it leaves me. Oh boy. Um, I'm gonna start with Toru first. Chris Burnett. Oh, oh boy. Ugh, such a trooper. <laughs> A crisper Nut in the beginning is very unsuspecting. Nice guy, wants to be your friend, popular guy. Um, he gets killed, and then when you see him again interacting with Natsuno, holy shit! Crying noises. No, no 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 no, it's not that. When um when he's chasing Natsuno in the woods, in the exact note I wrote for this, um, Chris Burnett is in such pain attacking his over attacking his friend. Those noises, man. There were points where it seemed like some of the noises that were coming from Toru were so primal. It was very terrifying, and you can tell that it hurt. That it hurt so much for Toru to attack his best friend, and it's like. Ugh. Basically, like everyone else is saying, this is a character among the shiki that you may feel the most sympathy for. And there's also his inner turmoil. Um, the fact that he has to kill people to survive or his family would be attacked if he didn't do it, he was told. So, there's a lot of interesting complexity with Toru's character. And Chris Burnett just plays it so, so wonderfully. As for Tia, Ballard as Megumi. I feel like it's story time. Gather around. So um, when I watched this show a few years ago, I mentioned that Shiki was a show where I began to pick up on voice acting performances and certain actors. This show was actually my introduction to Tia Ballard as a voice actress, but not in the most positive light uh, because I thought the performance was God awful. It was obnoxious, it was grating, it was just bad. For me, it was one of the worst performances from the entire dub. Luckily, I've learned my fucking lesson since then. Yay! Because um, for the longest time after seeing Shiki, I was so hesitant in seeing Tia Ballard in major leading roles. With um, several performances she's had since then, not only did my opinion of Tia as an actress do a complete 180, Um, but going back into Shiki, I actually love this performance now. It was less grating and obnoxious than how I felt the first time I watched it, but also, again, ladies and gentlemen, I learned my fucking lesson. Uh, it's more of the character, not Tia, that's the problem with it. It's the character of Megami who's, um, obnoxious and a bitch and is just so selfish and wants to get out of here. And Tia is just really good at portraying that. Yeah. Honestly, I'm an idiot. Uh I'm sorry Tia for ever doubting you. I'm sorry. But Megami's a bitch. You 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 uh you you voiced a very wonderful bitch. Like, it's great. For um not from not only her selfish desires to her obsession over Natsuno Her obsession over Natsuno. Oh boy, that was that was a fun time as well to see her portray and um like you were saying, Roots, when she appears in the Muto home and attacks Toru, and she's basically tormenting Natsuno as he's there. Like, you spend all this time with him, but you never made time for me. Oh, it's so creepy. I-, I-, I think originally when I watched the trailers uh, for the sh- before I got the show, it was that scene in particular that just gave me nightmares. I was just so freaked out. And then when I watched the show, I felt disappointed with the Megami, but. Now I've learned my fucking lesson. <laughs>
2: I'll have to go back and watch the dub trailers on the Blu-ray. Yeah,
0: which is which is kind of hilarious because when we talk about a certain show from the winter season soon, ooh boy, I'm excited about it because I haven't even started the dub for it yet, but oh man. Um but yeah, both of these performances are very wonderful and I'm I'm so sorry, Tia, for ever doubting you. You were you were fantastic. Um Moving on <laughs> Oh, slowly getting it. We're going to talk about two main Shiki from the show. Uh, We have Sunako Kurishiki. She is a little girl who, for all intents and purposes, uh, among the large amount of Shiki, is the first to become one. And at such a young age, too. Uh, She is the mastermind and leader of the Shiki, and all she wants is just a safe haven for herself and all the Shiki so she can just live a life. And then we have one of my favorite characters in the show, uh, this motherfucker named Tatsumi. Tatsumi is a Shiki, specifically a Jinro, a subset of Shiki, who are vampires that are capable of passing off as humans. Uh, So they're okay in the sunlight, they can eat human food to survive, and uh, they also have enhanced abilities such as strength and senses.
2: That you need to drink blood in order to do.
0: Correct. Uh, Tatsumi serves Sunako and the Kirishiki family, and he is the wrangler of the newborn Shiki and helps to take care of them. Uh, it, it's actually kind of funny, because the person who voices Tatsumi is, um, this character is actually where I noticed this actor. Uh, but, but before we get to that, to start off with, uh, Sunako Kirishiki is voiced by Jeremy Lee, who has been in series such as Fairy Tail, the Viz Media dub of Sailor Moon, and Holic. And as for Tatsumi, we have a Mr. Ian Sinclair, who has been in series just as Baccano, One Piece, and Sengoku Basada. Uh, hey, Aman, uh why don't we start with you? How do you feel about Jeremy and Ian's performances here?
3: Uh, I thought they both did a wonderful job. Um, I like Jeremy a lot. I think she had one of the harder roles in the show, because uh, she's, she's present throughout most of it. And then, you know, towards the back half, you start getting a lot more of, like, what exactly is Sun- Sunoko's deal? Sunoko. It's a gas company.
0: That's a gas
3: Sanako. <laughs> you start getting a better sense of what her deal is. And, you know, prior to that, Jeremy's been doing kind of, you know, the creepy little girl voice, and it's been really effective. But after that, you start getting a lot more of, like, her humanity, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like she, she thought she just brought that to the role so well. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not often you get to play a character who starts off being like kind of creepy and menacing and ends just like bawling her eyes out all the time because she might actually die this time and she's yeah. not sure she can deal with that. Like, you know, uh, you know, like, you know, you know, so especially in the end, she's like in the church asking like, why did you just forsake me? I didn't want this to happen. I didn't choose this. Why did you abandon me? God. And it's like, it breaks, Dead. It breaks, your, Dead. It just, it breaks your heart Dead. a little. Yeah. <laughs> uh it's just you know it, it's rough but she did a wonderful job and uh ian ian's a delight um he 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 gets to he's just a blast like titsumi doesn't give any fucks he knows what he's doing yeah. he's just going around beating people up fighting people killing people whatever and he's like hey guys
1: walking around with the doberman helping helping them with the doberman in, in
3: increasingly ridiculous <laughs> yes. costumes and he's just like hey guys what's happening you're gonna die.
1: <laughs> What's up, man? Um, he's
3: just wonderful throughout. Like he's he's a blast. He might be, he might be my pick for like the most fun performance in the whole show, just because he's clearly having such a ball throughout the entire thing. He's just he's a delight whenever he's on screen.
0: I'm gonna go next because I'm gonna completely fucking agree with you on Ian as Tatsumi. He probably had the most goddamn ta- fun in the goddamn booth with this character, because uh, Tatsumi has these two different personas to him uh he has this outward persona who uh hey guys hey guys how's it going it's nice to meet you Uh, can we come visit sometime and then you have his true nature and persona and the man is fucking terrifying if you cross him the wrong way like if you disobey him you're in fucking trouble man and and Ian plays that so, so well. And it's actually really interesting because, um, and this is actually the first time I'm going to be getting to say this too. I watched some of the commentaries for Shiki, And one of them was episode 18. And it had um, Mike McFarland, Tata Lydia Mackey, and Ian. And one of the things Mike had mentioned was the Seiyu actually had to play a similar performance to Ian where uh, he was this lighthearted fool but also had to be menacing at points and use these different uh, inflections and tones and it was just really interesting and um, Ian actually said that this is one of the first times he got to play this type of character Uh, again Ian was one of those alongside Tia and one other we're gonna get to very soon where I just straight up wanted to know more about this actor Uh, as for Jeremy she plays a very good creepy little girl. Uh, like Ama was saying, she has the um, she can be sympathetic, and you get an idea on her background and story later on. And there are points where you feel sorry for her, but there are also points where this has gone on long enough, and she's basically just resigned herself to the fact that she should just die. And um, but she's convinced otherwise by our next character that we'll discuss. But um, but yeah, Jeremy. Oh god, Jeremy. There are points where I want to hug this little girl, but there are also points where it's like, I want to kill you. Uh, it's a hard decision, like, how should I feel about this? But um, I really enjoyed Jeremy's performance as soon ago as well. Uh, Megan, how do you feel about these performances? Uh, first of all, I would like to say really quickly that um, as of my Twitter,
1: apparently Ian just snuck up on Damon Mills and said that he now swears like a real Texan. Ian, if you could tell me what swearing like a real Texan is, I'd be really happy. Um, oh, no. Uh No, but let's... Uh, Tatsumi was weird. Like, it was so hard to take that character seriously at times. Like, I'm sorry, he is one of the worst... His character design is fucking stupid. Like, he dresses in, like, Outfits that look like a 1990s New York fashion show. And his hair yeah. is shaped into, like, cat ears. But motherfucker would shank you so fast for falling out of line that it is creepy. And I'll agree that I don't think I remember Ian playing a lot of characters like this. Uh, Like, even in Baccano, Dallas Dallas kind of a slimy little shitball who can't do anything right. And then most of the other times I'm used to Ian being very very much the hero. Pervy heroes, but heroes. Um, yes. And then he's also that one sword that didn't get to sing this week with Chris Sabat, but I, I'll i be okay. Uh, but just put the fucking subtitles up for the dialogue, you assholes. Uh, but God, like if this was the first time I'd ever seen Ian Sinclair I'd be like, oh my God, this guy's an awesome new actor. Like please cast him in more things and then they did so yay yay mike mcfarland for being a smart cookie uh and Jeremy. by this point sheremy had been in a couple of things i would think
0: um yeah i um, i think by this point Eater was already released yeah that was yeah. like soul leaders 2010 so- i want
1: to say yeah. The, yeah the dub yeah soul leaders yeah soul leaders out so she is a big name, and I think Fairy Tale is also out. I think point. so.
0: I think yeah, around then. Yeah, it would have. Because was. I think was, this was, um, like
1: twenty twelve. Shiki,
0: um, the home video release for Shiki was about summer of twenty twelve, I think.
1: Yeah. So like Fairy Tale and stuff is out, and like just to to kind of give you the, the the scale of things, in Fairy Tale, Sheremy is the lead, arguably. Yes. Not that fairy tale does a good job of, you know, treating Lucy like she's a competent human. No, no. Gotta make Natsu look better. Ian is an, the episode one mook. Let, let's just go there. And now they're in a completely different animal. And Ian is a terrifying... This, like, very oddly designed, terrifying little... um Yes, like, strategic yes-man army sergeant to the Shiki, And Jeremy is this little girl shiki who is the mother this mother and i think they even say it's like oh so Sunako's the daughter no Sunako's the mom yeah um where she's like she she kind of wants you to pity her and she's like i had no choice i had to to eat my everyone gave up on me and they left me and i only did what i had to do to survive and you feel sympathetic for her getting turned into a Shiki because it's obviously kind of a very dubious intent mm-hmm. moment. And there is potential allegory in there. Mm. But it's what she does after. Yeah. And we are not talking about this character, but for me, I think kind of one of the scenes that gets me, and it's also a performance that kind of gets me in the moment, is I believe it's our Bruce Elliott as Oz, uh, this the liquor yes. shop owner. Yes.
0: Yeah, where I, I he catches putting her in, him in
1: ch- but mm-hmm. where he catches her in the church, and he has very much gone full like full lynch mob. And you completely disagree with his actions because he will kill anybody who's even hypnotized, but he gives this speech to Sunako, mm-hmm. and I think it kind of really exemplifies where I stand on Sunako, where it's listen here, basically listen here, you little bitch. You just can't keep waltzing into places and expect things to change and bend for you. And she's still crying and screaming to get out, and she gets out, and he doesn't. He dies. Right. But I think the I think the uh, line is, in this village, we honor tradition. The young don't die before the old. You just can't come in here and change the status quo. And I feel like that's what sheremi lee does she does kind of change the status quo and what i would have thought of this character and her performance is very much mature and very much naive and very much sympathetic child but at the same time i don't know if i can 100 percent get behind her and her quest because she ruined a lot of lives out of her own selfish desire and i feel like if they would have just been like hey guys we're a bunch of vampires obviously they could have ended with her getting killed but there were obviously some people who would have taken sympathy on her and maybe helps Like, it's like you didn't... It's it's kind of like the outsiders versus insiders and a bunch of political stuff. But I think Cheremy nailed the performance. And uh, that's that. So pass it on to Patrick so we can get it out of
0: here. <laughs> Alright, Roots.
1: Alright, so...
2: It's really interesting that I'm... I'm in here recording this episode, like... A month after recording Devilman Crybaby. Because this is... Uh, this is Jeremy in two acts. Like, here... Whereas in in Devilman, she basically had to play two roles, where the jealous <clears throat> the jealous go getter becoming sort of the demon possessed <clears throat> super athlete to Disuniko. Uh, where she's basically wise beyond her years because she is beyond years, and I I do really like her. Like her speeches to Marroy her her speech at the end with uh, R. Bruce Elliot. Like, that was that was really, really good stuff. I have to give props to the screenwriters for that too, because that could have been, you know, dense, heavy, and and it, it just kinda of flowed naturally. Uh, as for Tatsumi like, I, I really like the duality of the character, where it's just, hi, friend, and I'll cut you, friend. I'll, I'll, I'll cut you. <laughs> well, see I'll cut see this friend. knife? See this knife? I'm going to cut you. Down. i going <laughs> to cut you. Gonna cut you.
0: Gonna cut you. Uh, it's
2: great. Yeah, I, I really liked it. And um, I can't think of any real standout moment with him, though because it's
0: it's hard because
1: there's so many one fun of my moments. favorite standout moments i will say though is in the very final confrontation he has with not snow in the hole in the ground oh yeah. Ooh, yeah and uh he's like you know why are you doing this we gave you a new life and not snow just back did uh, i want it <laughs> basically i know it's like i've been dead for weeks and then just, like, and he whips out the dynamite. And his with reaction is, right, is Where is the, kind the fuck of like, did this Dump. kid
0: get dynamite? <laughs> no,
1: his reaction is fucking dumb surprise.
0: <laughs> no, I, my favorite moments with uh, Tatsumi is the episode with, um, we didn't get to cover her, but I did consider her, um, Ikumi, Ikumi, the, uh, crazy spiritualist woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that AKA lady AKA Linda the Young. best Yeah, AKA, uh, aka Linda Young Ikumi and did nothing wrong Ikumi, uh, Ikumi's at Massa pounding on the door Like, let me in, I'm gonna prove Your oki, okay, And from the corner you see Tatsumi Peeking out, like, excuse me, something Go on, and she goes after him and attack And he's just like screaming like a child Like, ah Yeah, he oh, screams God. like a little
3: baby
1: uh,
0: It's great, I love that It's just like, ah it's one, it's one of my favorites from It's Like Tonsimi. up there with it's... Patrick Sights, old lady voice for me. Oh, it's great. So we've got three characters left to cover, and as as m- as long as an episode, this is going already. I honestly really want to talk about them individually. This is a classics episode for a reason, guys. Um, so the first of the three, uh, you can essentially call them our lead characters in a sense. Our first is Seishin Moroi. He is the junior monk of the village of Sotoba. His family basically is in charge of the shrine uh, in the village. And Moroi is a very interesting character because he's not only the junior monk, he's also an, an author, a novelist, and he writes stories in madoi is one of two characters who you see the big biggest conflict with uh in terms of whether or not the shiki are monsters or if they are just doing this out of survival and they are not really the monsters that people think they are um it's Maroi, oh, he's a very he's a very interesting character. Seishi Maroi is voiced by one Mr. John Bergmeier, whom you may have heard in series such as Trinity Blood, Yu Yu Hakusho, and Spice and Wolf. So, let's see, who should go first? I pick Amon.
3: I think about John Bergmeier is at least as of late I've mostly heard him in a lot of supporting roles um and so I, I tend to think of him in that capacity and occasionally remember wait a minute he's fucking karama new Haku Show. he's a great actor and then he'll show up in something like this and It's like oh yeah that's right he is a great actor yeah, uh he's good. he's wonderful in this um say like as you alluded to seishin's really complicated uh he has a lot of conflicting feelings um that you know he, he has to work out as the show progresses Mm-hmm. And he has probably one of the more interesting arcs that any of the characters have in this story, and this feels like the kind of role that's very easy to, yeah, not not like fail completely, but just like not quite stick the landing on. Yeah. And I thought John did a fantastic job at it. Like this is not an easy role, and I think he yeah. brought his all to this, and he got you just got this deep sense of Station's just you know. How conflicted he feels about this—it's like you know my my friends. You know I can see what a problem these sheiky are and how they're affecting my friends and my family. But I feel empathetic towards them and their plight, and I just don't yeah. know what to do. And it's just really—it's just really great. Like he he brings us all to this role. Um, this is this is probably up there with Karama as far as like some of the best stuff I've heard from him. I'm I'm really impressed.
0: Yay, uh, Roos, How do you feel about John Bergmeyer?
2: Uh, let's see here. His character fills kind of an interesting archetype within horror genre type there. And that's the uh, that's the priest with the crisis of faith. And I, I think John Bergmeier did a really good job portraying that. Like, there's a lot of interesting little moving pieces to his character. He, he's got the the novel writer going for him. He's the junior monk. He's also kind of the moral center of the of the shiki and the residents of the town. Like, it—he's a really cool character, and I I like what John Bergmeyer kind of added to the <clears throat> added to the mix. He's he's calm, okay. he's stoic when he needs to be, but he's also faltering. Like he, like I said, crisis of faith.
0: It's interesting that you say that he has a crisis going on because, um, he is actually one of the big driving points for Moroi's character, I think, and something that Sunako in particular is very, I don't want to say obsessed, but she keeps asking about, um, is the fact that he tried committing suicide. Okay. He has tried committing... He tried killing himself, because remember, he has that scar on his wrist. And that very early on, Sunako lets him know, like, you can't really die that way. You know what I mean? That's that's that's, that's not the easiest way to die if you're trying to look for an out. And so I, I like how you say it's a... Cri- like He kind of has this crisis of faith. Only... Uh, but that kind of adds to it, because not Because the, there's also the theme of the main story that he's currently working on with the Cain and Abel aspect to it. Uh, trying to figure out who really is the monster in all this. And is it, is it really murder if you're trying to kill someone? Um, and there's a lot of aspects to it. And if I had to jump in in here real quick... Um, I really think John Bergmeyer played all, all of the facets of Moroy's character splendidly um, from the surface persona, essentially, of this monk who has to be a presence in the village to to those inner terminals to the point where suicide becomes a major factor in his life. And... It's. I think the performance was splendid. And especially, because we're going to talk about Dr. Ozaki in a minute. Um, his interactions with Dr. Ozuki in particular are very, very complex and enlightening. Because if anything, because my problem is, the show points to Natsuno as the lead character. Honestly, because we're going to talk about Natsuno last, but personally, I don't think that's the case. Personally, if anything, this story centers around Dr. Ozaki and Seishin Maroi, um, and their interactions and those different sides that they play. Um, with Maroi ending up sympathizing with the Shiki, um, to the point where, <laughs> spoilers for a reason, he ends up becoming one. And I think it's implied that he ends up he's becoming a Jinro, a Jinro specifically. He's a yes. Jinro by the
1: end.
0: Yes, he becomes a Jinro by the end and saves Sunako, um, after everything that's been done. But um, fucking moron. <laughs> but, yeah, like, John Bergmeyer definitely played all, all of those complex facets of uh, Seishin's character very well, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, Megan?
1: Well, I, for one, think that Seishin Moroi is a moron.
0: Um... Well, well, gee, I wonder why, but anyway... <laughs> why'd you fucking save Sunako, you dumbass? Um... Ah, cause cause they're friends. Oh,
1: <laughs> she's a murderous little scamp. I and I get that she's got the whole like, "Well, oh, I had to do this to survive." What's his excuse? Like, I get that what the humans side did is, ir, is, is is irredeemable. Yes, for a majority of them. Yes, like everyone's got their hands dirty at this point but so does he and i feel like station doesn't think that he got his hands dirty um i do find it very interesting though the um where he talks about the story that he writes and that's probably some of the my the my favorite stuff that john bergmeyer does because station's writing this story called shiki which is where they get the name from um about a guy who killed his brother who was very perfect but you find out that the the brother never really existed it's um a part of life and he killed off his humanity and killing that yep so and all that junk and i think john Bergmeyer very much gets this and he very much captures the spirits of the character i also find it really funny because uh i just got done listening to the magus pride episode of dub talk (laughs) so now i'm remembering him hacking up cats um that's one does that's the thing i also have to be very very like weird because Bailey keeps getting mad at me that I don't pet her anymore and she's I'm like I'm trying baby I'm trying to record something honey I got shit to do right now <laughs> I got shit to do honey I got shit to do baby I got shit to do um, this is what happens when you own a furry furry to- a very a 50 pound furry toddler um <laughs> but crisis of faith is definitely there and it's very interesting to see it from a not a, a um a not Christian standpoint yeah Mm. Uh, because again Seishin isn't Christian he is probably Buddhist or Shinto Um, the show never gives a clear indication Uh, but I also find it very much that the family of the very religious family willingly give themselves to the Shiki because remember his father also invites them in
0: that is right his dad did Uh,
1: his dad also invites them in and very much Maroi does that and I think that one of the things that really is very strange is that he kills himself thinking that he can't escape destiny. He can't escape his his place in the cycle and fate, and yet by the end he is one of the people who has to violently who violently escapes his cycle. He gets out of the town and he gets out taking Sunako with him, which for better or for worse means that Next time Sunako probably tries this shit, he's going to be me, mm. And he's... I think that John Bergmeier really plays that balance. Especially when he's got to protect her. Yeah. When he's got to protect Sunako. And then he, he kills... I think he only kills, like, one person in the entire show.
0: Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And he kills that, them by
1: accident. Right. I, I really, I I don't know how to feel about this character, because I think he's an idiot for saving Sunako, because I don't think, after all that she's done, while Sunako is sympathetic, I don't think she should have gotten out of there alive. But John like John Bergmeyer like, god, he's such a really good actor, and it's a shame that we don't see him in a lot more lead roles. Yeah. I mean, I think in this is a, a show I missed, like I said, when it first came out as a dub uh, back in 2010, because then I was really amazed when John Bergmeyer showed up as like a big character in Origami, and I was like, holy shit. And this reminds yeah. me a lot of Sue.
0: To an extent, yeah. it actually. It, does. But it's
1: like if Sue got more focus in this show. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, I'm not going to fault it. I, I wish I could just sit and we could just sit and just do a podcast on like the main three characters and... Their roles in the story, but we don't want to be here for forever, so I think
0: I'm good. <laughs> okay. Any other thoughts on um, John Bergmeyer as Seishin before we move on?
3: Uh, I liked. I really liked his speech at the end, where he's kind of talking about how, like, no Sunako, you know, like if God does not give an answer to anybody, no matter how good or bad you are, then don't, you really shouldn't concern yourself with it. Just because he puts, he gives the right tone for somebody who. Clearly, religion used to be a very big deal for them, and it no longer works for them. And I can't, I can't yeah. kind of describe what that quality is. But he just he gives it just the right whatever that is. And I was really yeah. impressed by it.
0: I, I, I can agree with that. Any other? And I,
2: and I also do appreciate that it's him who narrates the end cards every episode. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. He does do our episode previews. Cause, all of them,
2: because <laughs> not only are they kind of flowery and all
0: in all kind of
2: eerily pleasant, but um, uh,
0: they they I, I, also kind of show his inner turmoil too, right? And
2: I don't know if I just missed it, but I do kind of appreciate that they leave the reasonings behind him attempting suicide as ambiguous.
1: I think, uh, the show kind of gives the reason that, uh, Seishin does it is so that he can escape his fate so that he wouldn't be head monk. But then again, Sunako kind of says, um, I think she says it through her writings on the manuscript. Um, you can't have a murderer if they don't have a reason to kill.
0: Yeah.
1: Just like you can't kill yourself without having a reason to die. Mm.
0: Exactly. Mm. But I do There is there is no murder without intent. That's the, that's the that's the phrase, I think. I which
1: is weird with all the senseless killings that happen later on. Right. Oh boy. But I, I do appreciate
2: the fact that they kind of left that ambiguous. It, it's an important yeah, part of the character, but I I'm glad they left it kind of up to interpretation.
0: So, now to get to my absolute favorite character of this entire goddamn show. Uh, We're going to talk about Dr. Toshio Ozaki. He is the resident doctor uh, who runs a clinic in Sotoba Village. He, Similar, I guess you could say, to Seishin, um, Dr. Ozaki comes from a prestigious family where his dad was the um, head doctor of the clinic and was in Sotoba. So already you kind of have a similar sense as to this character also being kind of trapped and stuck in their own kind of fate, in a sense. Um, Dr. O is a key. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. He, um, through, for at least the, f- almost the f- almost the first half of the series, um, he's intent on saving the villagers. He's trying to find out what's going on, what the cause of this is, if it's an epidemic, if it's something else. Um, he does figure out that it is vampires. He's among the first to find out, alongside not to know who we'll talk about last, as well as the Tanaka siblings. And, oh god, he d- he does what he can to try and stop them. <laughs> to the point where, ooh boy. oh to the point where, um, he does, uh, some vampire experiments on his uh, his dead wife turned Sheiky. Yeah, he
1: turns Jamie Markey into a
0: fucking biology frog. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Shit gets real, guys, in this show. It- Oh, boy. Um.
2: Injecting her with battery acid levels of cold. Oh my god,
1: can I read something really quick to you guys? What? V-O anecdote. While recording Junie Tyson's Zodiac War, I had a cue that started, but on the surface, and when we went to record, instead of giving the line, I performed the lyrics to Eminem's "Lose Yourself," starting from that phrase. I don't know how I get work. #Hashtag Mom Spaghetti, please take a guess at which voice actor this is.
0: <laughs> um, I feel like it's Cliff because. It I'm is. Also- Like, it sounds like
1: something he would do, honestly. Let's face it. Can put the recording, please?
0: We'll take that
1: out. No! Can we leave it as a bonus, then, at the very end of the video? Wait, wait, wait. Did you want me to leave it or take it out? No, fucking leave it! That's amazing! Okay. (laughs) Motherfucking fucking wrapped Eminem while performing in a bad anime. Points to Clifford. (laughs) Clifford better be... Hufflepuff, God damn it! Oh shit! Points to him. Oh god! All right. Anyway, um, back to back to Dr. Ozaki uh, injecting his wife with battery acid, which is ironically the name of my next metal man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're going through metal bands real fast here, buddy. Oh, is that, that's that because is my? That pos- that cannibal that's because. That's Spin off. Everyone likes. I make that
1: joke because my cousin is in an actual goddamn metal band.
0: Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that part. Alright.
1: Fun fact, if you like the band The Giraffes, my cousin is the bassist. (laughs) So,
0: aside from Dr. Owiski being amazing and slightly crazy as shit, uh, the other reason why he's my favorite character in the show is the person who voices this character. Uh, And (laughs) this is the other role... The other, the other voice actor, where when I watch Shiki, I'm like, who is this person? Why do I want to know more things and see him and more things? Uh, so Dr. Toshio Ozaki is voiced by David Wald, who has been in series such as Fairy Tail, various characters of the Garo franchise, as well as the Sentai Filmworks dub for Vampire Hunter D. <laughs> oh boy. Uh... I really want to go last because this is my favorite character. I'll go first. Go
1: ahead. Um, my. I'm gonna. This is gonna sound so weird because I don't know if David Wald's ever gonna watch this video. But, uh. I feel like the biggest goddamn moron in my life because I was at a con and I could have met him and I didn't. And this is. The only thing I knew him was at that con was Hans from, uh, Attack on Titan. So if I ever get to meet him again, I am so. So sorry that I missed meeting you because you are honest to God. One of my favorite people to talk about on this show, because I don't think I've never not enjoyed him being in a show. Yeah. And Jesus Christ. If, um, Oh my God. If Do- if Donna Schultz was the most terrifying performance in the show, David Wald's in second place. And he almost had the whole the whole scariest person in the show thing until that episode. Holy Christ on a cracker. And um, if you don't know, Funimation has some clips on YouTube of the show. Unfortunately, for some idiot reason, one of them is him vivisecting his wife. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> oh, it is a very boy.
3: memorable scene, if maybe not for reasons you would want to show your friends.
1: And... Um, honestly, no, I, I'm more, I'm not mad that it's up there because you can scare people with it. I'm mad that it's up there because you don't actually have to watch the show to find it <laughs> because all of the emotionality and the frustration leading up until that moment and like all of the crazy shit. Cause here's the thing about that part of the performance. It's not that he's going really hammy. It's not that he's doing some weird wacky voice. It's that it's completely calm and completely straight. Yep. Mm -hmm. There is no, like, evil, wacky science's voice. There is no crazy, murderous motherfucker voice. Nope, it is one man, one camera, and one wife. Coincidentally, that is the name of my next (laughs) porno. God damn it. Jesus. Damn it.
0: That was
1: really bad.
0: That was was actually pretty fucking
1: bad. You should feel ashamed. I really should. But, like, there... Is just so much to this character who never really openly breaks his cool, calm demeanor. Like there are times where you see him freak out when he is all alone, and there are some times at the very beginning of the show that you kind of see it break. But once he figures out it's, uh, what the hell is the actual term that they call them before they call them? Okigari. Okigari. Okay, okay, once he realizes that that it's the Okigari, it, his that switch that flipped in that character is so noticeable and it is so damn impressive the other thing that i would really like to take note of is when david as dr Ozaki, where david wald internally monologues about how frustrated he is at the other villagers for not yep. taking the Okiagade thing seriously and he just sounds like the adult version of every paranoid teen in a horror movie but you feel so sympathetic for him because you're like, no, you fucking idiots. It's, it, it is it is Okiagari. Y'all are gonna fucking die. You all deserve <laughs> to fucking die. Yep. But I don't sympathize for what this character went through either. Like, I feel bad that his mom died. Like, that his wife gets turned into Ishigi. But he is an irredeemable motherfucker. Um. To, to a point, yes. <laughs> to a point, he's an irredeemable motherfucker. He's a lynch mob starting motherfucker. Um, but I've
0: talked too much, so I'm going to hand it off. Uh, Roots, how do you feel about uh, David Walters, Dr. Ozeki?
2: Okay, so... I'm, uh, I'm not sure who in this group is going to get the reference I'm about to make, but I got some serious R.J. McCready vibes from... Uh, Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs>
3: yep. From uh, David Wall.
2: Uh, RJ McCready is the lead
3: character of the uh, 80s horror classic, The Thing.
0: I haven't seen The Thing, so I'm just going to agree with you. <laughs> Probably.
3: Oh, we're going <laughs> gonna... to fix... We're... We're gonna fix that come maybe.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, not with
1: me in the fucking room, you're not.
0: Oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> boy.
1: But uh, um, drop yourself in, kiddies! No, no way in hell. I am not yeah, watching that fucking movie. No. Go oh, fuck yourselves.
2: We're uh, we're not gonna do that at AB. Dang it.
1: Um, Y'all can do that at Anime Fest, where I can go to another fucking room and cry.
2: David Wall delivers like the third eeriest line in this entire show. Okay. Where it's it's basically right after he successfully kills his wife.
0: I know what you're talking about. And oh
2: my god. And walks into the room and he's just like, hey, you might help me clean up? And there's just blood Yeah, everywhere. Yeah, he's got the
0: cigarette in his mouth. No, 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 no. It's, it, I think the exact line is like, you've got good, you've got good timing. Can you, could you help me clean this up? And he just. And he's just, and I. He's just standing there. Oh man! Ah. And he's got this look ah. in his
2: eyes, like,
0: <laughs>
2: I have no remorse for what I did because I just fucking figured this out. It's so great. I, I uh, forgive me, Gigi.
1: <laughs> oh! <No. laughs>
2: looks like, what you uh, say? looks like we've gone from fun police to Dr. Fun MD.
1: Oh. No. Dun 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 Hey, and he does try to drug her! Wow! <gasps> oh my wow, god, wow, you're
2: right! Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> dun,
1: dun. Somebody please make that graphic <laughs> of just Moroy and Ozaki! No! <laughs> just Dr. Fun MD! <laughs> no! Marty do it! Okay. <laughs> make it I... a shirt!
2: I, um, I should probably pass
0: this on before Dr. P.I. <laughs> uh, okay. Alman, um, how do you feel about David's performance?
1: Uh, I thought he did a very good job. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tell me on the doll where the per- what the performance made you feel. God damn it. <laughs> Just as poor as poor
3: this poor, this poor man of science who just wants to—he just wants to heal the sick in this small village he lives in. He's not asking for a lot. Oh no, there's a summer cold. Why are people dying? Why has my wife come back from the dead? You Why know, is everyone as much as he views her back from the dead? Uh, no, Dave, Dave. Wall does. He is. He does real good in this role. Um, he, I mean, he, hes hes basically the main character for for pretty big chunks of this story. Yeah. Um, and I think he, he just does a fine job of doing the lifting, as far, especially as far as being like one of our major viewpoint characters, as far as like you know what is going on here. Like a lot of times when we look, le- where we're learning about the Shiki, it's through him learning about the Shiki. Um, and he does a very good job of being both a sort of viewpoint character. But also having a lot of, you know, agency and action in his own role. And I think David uh, captures a lot of that very well. Uh, Especially making him sympathetic in the beginning. And, you know, you like him and you want to see him succeed. And then, you know, his wife gets bit. And then she dies. And this starts to be about the point where Shiki stops being a fun show. (laughs) <laughs> and it just, or, it just, reversely,
1: this is the part of the, this is where the show starts becoming a fun show This, 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 yeah. feels, like,
3: this feels like the beginning of the, the climb that ends in like the, basically the last five episodes where most of the humans are just covered in gore the entire time. They don't seem to care really Um Yeah, no, he's he's good. He, he, has, to, he has a lot of range he has to cover in this character Um and just and 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 I think we mentioned like the whole scene where he's like basically experimenting on his his now cheeky wife. Uh, it's just it's it's just bone chilling. It's like really upsetting.
0: Yeah. To which, which by the way, props to Jamie Markey for playing Kyoko Ozaki.
2: Oh yeah. Um, oh absolutely. Kind of a like, shame we definitely.
0: can't. I can. We like legitimately. Holy I... hell,
1: Jamie! Like for okay. I know that we're not gonna do this normally, but I want to do this because, here's the thing. It is hard for somebody to express emotions when the only things you can do are scrunt, squeal, and muffled scream. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would never in my life I would have believed the fucking shit out of that if it was... Like yep. it, it, Jamie Markey's a really good fucking actress, really fucking good. And I am so happy that this is a show that she was in as this type of character because this character straight up looks like a dumb bimbo, but she's not. She's like kind of this very, and it. I honestly do think that Ozaki really loved her. Yeah, they loved each other. Like, I think it kind of personally hurt him too, to fake having to flirt with Chizuru. Yeah, And that scene broke my heart, not only because seishiru that was the moment where Ozuki completely sold his soul to win, mm-hmm. but that he had to give up the love of his life to do so in the first place. Yep. And god damn it props to you, Jamie Markey, for that, making that scene just as incredible, matching David Wald's controlled intensity with your own panic. Yep. That's
0: I, all I'm I, gonna say. Yeah, I know, I, I, I can, I originally I was like, maybe we should talk about Jamie, and I'm like, we have a shit ton of characters. For the sake of time, unfortunately I had to, unfortunately it was one of those things where I had to cut characters, and Jamie's was one of them. But yeah, oh my god. Uh, guess that leaves me, huh? Oh. <sighs> Where do I even begin? So, like I was saying before, and probably said five million times by now, this was my introduction to David Wald as an actor. And by God, is it not only the best way for me to be introduced to David Wald as an actor, personally, I'm going to say that this is still by far my absolute favorite performance from him that I've ever seen him do. Not only does he portray Ozaki's desire to resolve this epidemic, and not only does he portray this slight madman intensity when he's trying to convince these, the village of what's going on, he also has another complex side of him is... Um, and wrote this down. He's a big. He's, he's, the big thing for Ozaki, I feel, is that he's having an internal conflict with himself half the time. Because, um, like I said, he does want to save. The, he does want to save this village. But something that does become prominent on occasion is the fact that he doesn't want to turn into his father. And his father was very controlling as a doctor, forcing his patients to, like. St- like, stay at the clinic or seek this treatment, all this other stuff. He does, he never wants to be his father. Never, never, never. And there are points where you see Toshio uh, start slowly but surely going into those little habits and tics that apparently his father had. And he just gets mad at himself for it because he hates doing that. And. It's also it's it's also really interesting cuz um he doesn't want the village to just up and turn into nothing. It's his the performance is so good to the point where you know how he was telling Cheese that he sh- that he thinks that the village should just die out. Do you remember him telling Cheese that? that? Mhm. It the performance is so good to the point where it's like is he just going along with this game still? Or does he actually want to see the village die out? You know what I mean? Yeah.
3: yeah.
0: Ozaki is by far the most complex character of this show. And to see someone like David Wall portray this character, and at that time, David Wall, as far as I know of, wasn't a prominent voice actor uh, at voice actor at that point and to see someone like David Wald play so many facets and so many complexities with this character I mean I, I, I love David Wald as an actor nothing compares to this performance even among all the other roles that he's done since then like this is by far my f- absolute favorite performance from David Wald and with good reason it's, ugh, I could gush about this performance all day. It's just outstanding. <laughs> I love it to pieces. and again, it's probably for me the best introduction to David Wald, the voice actor, I could ask for. Honestly, um, but yeah, there's I, a lot of my notes I had wrote down, written down, were about Ozaki, because uh, what was another thing I wrote down? Um, do do do. I know there's one more thing. Yeah, because I know we were talking about this quite a bit too. Um, his experiments on his wife. For me, I think in terms of David Walt's performance as Ozaki, that is probably the highest point of that performance is the experiments on his wife, Kyoko. And um, how, like, how, like Megan was describing it, he's this he's just calm. He's taking it step by step. He's not like a crazy madman, but it's more more subtle, if anything. It's very, very subtle, this change that's going on in Toshio. And David Wall just plays this honestly, kind of masterfully, and Ugh, I can keep going, but we don't have time. God damn, this performance is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Dear God. Um, favorite character, favorite performance. Holy shit. Favorite David Waldroll. Holy shit. Are we good to move on? Yeah. So, the story of Shiki is really interesting because it points itself to one supposed character for a lead character. Again, like I was saying earlier, I don't think that's the case, but we're going to we're gonna quote unquote call him our lead character and we're going to talk about Natsuno Yuki. Uh, he is... He's this kid whose family kind of just up and moved from the city and into Sotaba village. um, Because basically his parents are romantics to the point where I guess they did want to get married. And uh, they had Natsuno out of wedlock in a set, basically. Natsuno's dad doesn't believe in that whole establishment bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Um, He's gonna
3: stick it to the man.
0: Man, man. Yeah, and Natsuno really just wants to leave and get out of the the village. He doesn't want to be attached to anything or anyone. And he's seen he's seen as this very stoic, quiet character part of it. Some people misinterpret such as Masao uh interpreted as him being cold. And it is he's he's Honestly, I never could quite understand Natsuno's character all that well or the point of his character, all that well, to be completely frank. But, um, going into the actor who is voicing Natsuno Yuki, we have Mr. Jerry Jewel, who's been in series such as Bakano Case Close, and Fruits Basket. Oh boy, um... You know what, I'll start us off in this, in this one, cause...
2: Yeah.
0: It, cause, yeah, I, I don't understand the point of Natsuno as a character. <laughs> That's the problem I have. Like, part of it is if I feel like if you removed not snow as a character from the show, you wouldn't miss much. To You'd be miss honest.
1: one. You, no, you would miss something. Look. You'd miss his absurd fucking fashion <laughs> sense.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. Here's the funny thing. It's for the, for the people at home, so. Wait, because because not to know the big thing we not to know is like we were saying earlier. When I'm providing gonna... you the picture that I want you to use because you need to fucking put the jacket picture on there. We'll see, we'll see. No, but like we were saying earlier when we were talking about um, Toro Muto, um, he ends up dying at the hands of Toro, and he comes back as a shiki, specifically Jinro. <laughs> it's the first... and gets the worst fucking jacket. The funniest thing is um. The first time we see him, Megan was marathoning the show the other day. She puts in the chat, she puts a picture of his interaction, with of Natsuno's interaction with Dr. Osuki. And she, he's like, who dressed this boy? And why do I want to cosplay him? I fully
1: intend on doing that. I, I need... will fucking cosplay Natsuno's fucking fucking jacket. It looks very comfy. He is a very, very good... And, like I said, by the way, if you have to ask, Natsuno X Toru is totally my ship. The yes. only experience I ever had with Shiki before this was actually reading a Natsuno X Toru Doujin. Yay!
2: I need nice a tailor.
0: Because
1: want- <laughs> <laughs> I ripped my pants! God damn it. No, um... Let's just say ripping something was
0: involved. Whoa! Whoa! (laughs) Um, Ah, but yeah. Natsuno as a character, I never quite understand him, because, um... He's, like, the stereotypical angsty teen, in a sense. And, I don't know, I just never... I just never could really quite get into that. Um, however, with Jerry as Natsuno... I liked it. It came at a strange point to me when I watched it several years ago, where I was like, "Wait, Jerry Jewel's playing a teenager? This does not line up with this. And X and X Y and Z is not working. It does not. Need- two plus two apparently equals fish." At that point, <laughs> I'm I was again a naive little babby back in the day. Uh, but going back to it again, Jerry, I think, captured not only the stoic, yet possibly cold angst that Natsuno has, but Natsuno Natsuno in the end, he does have his vulnerabilities. Because I mean, he does let, despite telling himself that he's not going to let anyone in, he's not going to get close to anyone, he does let Toromuto in and um, becomes friends with him. He does start to slowly but surely warm up to village life and not only does he want to see at least the humans survive though to be fair he also states he could care less when he was talking to tatsumi in the end uh but all y'all yeah but for him in particular by the end he just wants everything to be as it should be like these like the shiki shouldn't be shiki they should just be dead this includes him he does not care like, he was willing... He straight up tells Ozuki... Like, Ozuki's like, yeah, we're gonna hunt them down and hunt every single one down. And Natsuno's like, yeah, that includes me too. Like, he straight up tells him and Ozuki's looking at him like, derp, what? Because, <laughs> yeah, Natsuno just wants the... The, um... The, I guess you could say the balance in the world to be corrected, in a sense. And so you can tell, despite him having the stoic yet cold personality at points that he actually does care about the village and he wants it to, he wants everything to go back to the way it should naturally be the dead staying dead and the living staying living, you know, but I, and, that, and that's something Jerry captured really well with um, his performance of not snow. Again, I, my, my biggest thing is, I never could quite understand Natsuno as a character and why he existed. Uh, but that's another story entirely for another day. Amon, how do you feel about Jerry's performance as Natsuno?
3: Uh, I enjoyed Jerry's performance. Uh, I'm a big fan of Jerry Jewel. He's one of my like personal favorites in the like general funima- uh, Funimation voice acting pool. I've, I've been a big fan since, like, God, high school, basically. Um, yeah, and I enjoy I enjoyed his performance a lot. Uh, I'm always I'm always thrilled to hear, hear him in things. Um, and I, I agree that Natsu Natsu is a little harder to crack than some of the other characters. Yeah. Um, I will have a when I'm done talking about him, I'll have a brief aside about that. Um, but I like what he brought to the role. I thought you got you got a sense of both his feeling of alienation from a lot of his peers, um, but in the end also like you no, know, he does care about these people and that his desire to be Uh, like not attached to them is perhaps more born out of like it's not that he hates them it's that you know his idiot parents keep dragging him god knows where and he's maybe just kind of given up on like getting attached to anybody too much
1: yeah
3: Um, hey Megan how much do you like
1: nihilism is cool kids (laughs) (laughs) pretty much
3: um no no, I enjoyed him a lot He, he he brought the right I don't know I'm trying to find the right words I I enjoyed him. He brought he brought the right tone to the character when it was needed. Um yeah. especially especially playing a character who I feel like his sort of emotions and motivations are not always like on his sleeve all the time. Yeah. And you know, you you know, Jerry I think had a, a little more ambiguity to work with as opposed as, compared to say, you know, when Dave Walls playing Ozaki, you can generally figure out what Ozaki's feeling at the time. Not a big right. secret. Um and I thought Jerry worked well in that sort of ambiguous state. Um, as far as what the Natsuno's deal with, I'm, this seems to be one of these things where I'm never going to find an answer for. Because, as far as I can tell, Shiki started as a novel, mm-hmm. it was then adapted into a manga. Yes. And then from what I can tell, the anime is largely an adaptation of this manga, which I don't think is like a particularly loose adaptation of the novel, but is also not a like one to one recreation of the entire story.
1: I believe in its exp- an expansion of the original Yeah. Uh, so uh, the, uh, the original novels. So. Yeah, so
3: this is one of these things where I'm wondering is part of this that like these old, these earlier works might have been a little longer and had a little bit more to Natsuno's character that made sense, but when they made the transition to like a twenty two episode with two O V A television series, some things just kinda got shortened. And that's part yeah, of the reason he seems kind
0: of odd. Were, yeah, because you mentioned earlier, Megan, that, because, um, again, I didn't do a lot of research into the original novel. You were saying that Natsuno never became a Shiki, right?
1: I <sighs> am I believe that's what I read, but I don't know if that source that I read it off of is 100% trustworthy. Yes, it, it, I do know. I go on. No, you can say what you are going to no, say. No, I was, was so. going to say
3: it does not help that neither the novel nor the manga have been published in English officially in any capacity.
1: Which <laughs> sucks, because I'd actually fucking buy it. Yeah, I'd
3: right? No, I totally, I totally buy this if I could. Yeah,
0: I, I was looking the other day, I'm like, wait, is the novel or the manga licensed in the United States? And I got disappointed, because it's not. You can get
3: it in German and French.
0: That's depressing. Um, I Read the shit out of that.
1: Yeah, no, for for example... um uh just to uh just to say so um the the only source that i had uh for this essentially was probably tv tropes which isn't 100 percent the best thing that you can go off of okay um which they were the ones that said that he uh does not make it out of the novels alive but the manga he does make it out and in the anime he does it's just we don't really know if it happened in the original novel okay but i think i know what his kind of place is but i'll go after Amon goes
0: are you all set Amon?
1: um you yeah, know i en- i enjoyed his role so yeah um, all right megan uh no i also really enjoyed jerry jewel in this because i think when um i think of jerry like teenage jerry characters uh, up to that point i would think of mostly like um kodicha where he was a child, or um, Jimmy Kudo or Kyo, which were all very more like upbeat and energetic. Yeah, uh, but Natsuno is very quiet and very angsty, angst, angst, angst. <laughs> um, but I feel like he represents something in a way that both um, Doctor uh, uh, that uh, Seishin and Doctor Ozaki do. And that is all three of them want to break the cycle that is staying in Sotaba. Yes. Like Megumin Hmm. does. And um, he becomes a Jinro, like Seishin does. Which, by the way, can we also talk about the the two people that we saw on screen getting turned into Jinro were cried on by the people who bit them? Hmm. Interesting.
3: Um,
0: Uh, well...
1: Because...
0: Argu- arguable with Moroi because, to be fair... He
1: turned... Remember,
0: they said that you don't always turn back immediately because, No, um, no, no. What I'm saying is the person who fed on him the majority of the time is Tatsumi. Me. Not Suniko. But Sunuko. the person who put the last bite in was what's her nuts? Um, No, it anyway, was It was Tatsumi. Well, t- the person to that cry
1: on him was Watsunutsunutsun. Y- yes. But, um... I'm
0: just saying. Though.
1: I think that Jerry really gets that outsider... Kind of influencing Sotoba because he too is an outsider like the Kirishikis is at the beginning. Right, but unlike the Kirishikis, he melds into the society because of his parents. But he doesn't get to escape like Seishin and Toru do. They, but he also violently ends something in Sotoba. He fucking goes out like a badass.
3: <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> and he probably delivers. Um, he probably delivers some of the most heartbreaking and great lines, uh, to which his ending line uh, to when Tatsumi talks to him, you, where Tatsumi's like, You don't have to do this. Aren't you afraid of dying? And with, like, the most unflinching and quietness, where, like, you totally realize that out of everybody, only Natsuno has come to accept his fate. Yes. Unlike every other character in this show. I've been dead for some time now. Yep. And I don't know and I think the way that Jerry delivers it too is that he doesn't deliver it with hysteria. He doesn't go out like a triumphant motherfucker or suicider. He goes out with quiet resignation. Mm -hmm. Because unlike everybody else in the show, he's resigned himself to this fact. He's done everything to know that he gets to end his life on his own terms. Right. Which is really kind of funny and, and kind of karmatic uh, when you think about that uh, juxtaposed to Seishin Moroi who could not kill himself and could not accept that in a way he's been dead for a long time now. Yeah. Like spiritually he's been dead. Or like once uh, once Dr. Ozaki kills um, his wife he's been dead for some time now. And I think that Jerry beautifully delivers that. And he beautifully delivers a lot of other lines. Uh, like when he asks Toru to run away with him, he's he's upset and he's kind of a little hysterical. But it's never on the verge of tears, open tears. It's very much like a hesitant, why won't you just run away with me? We can work this out together. Um, I think there's another line here too. I'm trying to find the quote for it. Um, about uh, Toru. Why can't you act more like a vampire and less like the guy I used to know? Yes.
2: <sighs>
0: that hit like a freight train. Train. Damn.
1: That hits. L- like lines like, I don't like it. Everyone's always in everyone's business, keeping tabs, taking notes, starting rumors. Yep. Um that's like Natsuno doesn't like the village, not because it's a quiet place, it's because it's busy despite uh, being so small mind like small and close knit. Yep. And I think that's such a hard thing to get across in a show and still be genuinely likable as a character. I actually really like not to know. Mm-hmm. I was actually kind of upset when there was less not to know in the show.
0: Really? Okay.
1: Because um, I, I wanted to see him be a general little badass. And <laughs> and honestly, I, I would probably put this up there. Actually, as probably one of my favorite Jerry Jewell characters and probably one of my favorite performances of his. That's interesting. Um, I would love to see him get to do another, uh, another character like this, hopefully one that gets more screen time, but, um, I mean, you could arguably say Psyche K is kind of, uh, Psyche from Psyche K is, a uh, kind of the more comedic version of Not To Know, but. To an extent, um, I would say yeah. so, yeah. But, uh, kudos to you, Jerry Jewel, and honestly, uh, next time I see you at a con, I really want you to sign my copy of Shiki, and I hope. I hope that more people start bringing you this show and if I'm one of the few people like with Lilac who does um hey hell yeah
0: all right roots how do you feel about Jerry Jewel is not to know?
2: so first and foremost can we get more grumpy old man get off my lawn Jerry Jewel <laughs> I agree can we this is Please? yes this is an archetype that I really <laughs> enjoy him doing you know, it's it's interesting that you say that you really didn't understand the the purpose of Natsuno's character. Yeah. Because um, at the very least, for the first half, I get what he needs to be, and that is sort of this—he's an outsider enough that he can be a skeptic about what's going on. I I do kind of think he—they probably could have killed him off when they did, and it probably wouldn't have had. Too much of an impact on the on the story going along, but I really, I do kind of like the the fact that they kept him around because he gets moments of badass in the in the last half of the show that, like Man, I really the,
1: appreciate him, him, him and there. Jerry, him and uh, Ian in the egg chairs having like uh, the Jinro <laughs> the Jinro <laughs> <laughs> conference. That was the best. <laughs> also, when I think it's I think it's uh he shows up at one point um. Later on in the series, after he's hypnotized Seishin... Uh, not Seishin, um... Ozuki? No, not Ozaki. uh... Um, is it Seishin? No, um, it's uh,
0: Mr. Kirishiki, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, and
1: the other the Jinro, other that is Caitlyn Glass, who basically doesn't fucking matter, uh, sees him, and it's like, wait, what are you doing here? This? And then all of a sudden, Mr. Kirishiki comes out and fucking
0: shoots her in the head. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And then, and then we, And then we... And then when we go back to Mr. Kidushiki, we see that he got bitten on his arm. And we're like, oh shit, the last person to see him before we saw this was not snow. But I really... So much implication.
2: I I really liked it. I really, really liked the last episode. Especially the I've been dead for a while line. It it was good. It was great. I I like Jerry Jewel in the show. I I wish he gets more opportunities to just be the grump. (laughs)
0: Because... Which is funny, which it's not his uh, Jerry's actual personality. No, not at, at
1: all. all but he's very, very, very relaxed in person, y'all. Like he is guy. one,
0: of, he's such a sweetheart. Like he
1: he's
2: he's a really cool person, but you know, his voice fits that architect to a T. And I wish it he does. I wish he'd be able to do more of that.
0: Before I go on to final thoughts, I, I wrote this note down because I have to talk about it. Um so, I was saying earlier that I did watch a couple of the commentaries for this show. And um, I did watch the episode one commentary where uh, it was, what was it? it? was Mike, it was Jerry. I think it was Mike, Jerry, John, and Dave. Yes! Mike, Jerry, John, John and Dave. That's what it is. <laughs> and very early on, when we go to um the, village, the, the side village of Yamaiti. And we see these running corpses and these flies all over the place. Uh, Jerry just pops in out of nowhere and calls it a flyrus.
2: Uh,
0: uh, I, uh, I wrote that down. I'm like, oh, oh you suck. That's of a, a bad bitch. pun. <laughs> it's a bad pun, but I love it. I had to throw it in there. <laughs> um, so, time to move on to final thoughts on the show and how we feel about uh, the dub. I'm gonna start. Let's start with. I'm gonna start with the uh, people who haven't seen this show before. Let's start with Megan. How, how, what, what your I'm final gonna costs?
1: fucking kill you.
0: <laughs> Aside from that, how do you feel about the show?
1: Um, probably put into my top ten anime.
0: Yes, I um, like that. <laughs>
1: Probably not my favorite in the, the supernatural horror genre. That'll always- uh, My favorite supernatural kind of horror show will always belong to Tokyo Ghoul. Um, but damn, this show is hard for me at times. Like, as somebody who does not like- Like, I do not like horror stuff, guys. Like, Tokyo Ghoul was my favorite anime, but like- Like, if you asked me to like sit down and watch like fucking Saw and The Thing and The Exorcist, I would attempt to kill you. Um, I don't like this stuff. It makes me uncomfortable. I'm not a horror movie person at all. That being said, this show is amazing. It is a disgustingly underrated show. With a disgustingly underrated dub. It is probably got one of the best dubs of its time period. And it's surprisingly solid. Like, you would not think that a dub that came out almost six years ago uh can hold up and be better than some of the dubs that have just come out this year or last year right um none of these none of there is not a single bad performance in the show in my opinion the writing is great the direction is great the sound mixing is amazing it is some of the best i've heard in the longest time um i would 100% watch this show and recommend it to everybody to say you've at least seen it once. Um, but yeah, that's what I think.
0: Alright. Amon, uh, what are your final thoughts on Shiki?
3: Uh, this show's great. I'm sad I didn't watch this show earlier. Uh, this is very much my jam. You know, I <laughs> I like horror movies. I have, a, I have a giant pile of Stephen King novels somewhere. Um, this is very much the kind of thing I enjoy. And... One thing I appreciate about this is, in my mind, there are very broadly two kinds of horror fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's fun horror fiction, which is the kind of stuff that you can watch, like you know, endlessly with your friends, and it's very pulpy and weird. Your Hell Sings, any given Friday on Friday the Thirteenth, or Nightmare on Elm Street movies, stuff like that. And then there's horror. And then there's horror fiction that is good, but it is so awful and draining that after you watch it, you think like, you know, maybe I can go like a year or two and just not think about this at all. Yeah, because it upsets me, and I appreciate that this manages to be both at various points in its timeline, uh, which is not an easy trick to pull off. And I like the show a lot. I think the dub's really good. I'm, I'm. This falls. It falls in the category of like shows I enjoy that don't get talked about nearly enough. Because this is great, and yes, go watch this immediately. Please buy it. Buy it now when you can. Because um because it's, it's going out of print for dumb reasons and you should snag it now while it's Fuck cheap and available
0: yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second uh, Roots what are your final thoughts on the show
2: so by the sounds of things I'm probably the person here who's kind of had the most experience with this show <clears throat> I've seen it in its entirety once or twice subbed and like two or three times dubbed At at random points throughout its its history as a show, Uh, I really like the dub. I really like the sort of its slow burn creep horror that you just don't get—not just in anime, but in animation in general. Like this kind of stuff comes out maybe like once in a blue moon, even in terms of like live action horror doing the slow burn right seems to be kind of a rare thing these days and uh the dub is really good really solid i can't recommend it any more than i am right now like you know i i do also kind of have to put out the disclaimer that it's not for everybody it it is one of the most anxiety filled shows i have seen in a while but um, yeah, get it while you can smoke them while you got them
0: uh, similar to Amon, I love horror mystery it's my jam I've stated this countless times <laughs> so I was so gung-ho about doing an episode for Shiki especially as a classics episode and I was very adamant that I was going to host it because Shiki is probably not only one of my favorite Um, horror anime series, it's also probably one of my favorite horror anime dubs as well. Uh, the show itself is very, it, it has its atmospheric tone to it. It has its subtle, subtle, very, very subtle, um, tone and intent and the story is the story despite having plot holes by the end of it it's still good some of the characters are questionable sure um but the show itself i still enjoy immensely and i love it to this day the dub itself dear god holy shit (laughs) um it's well directed, very well directed very well written very well cast very well performed like on all fronts now that I've rewatched it, I can say that I don't have a problem with a single performance in this show. Does, it, does that mean it's a perfect dub? No. Absolutely not. There are just small, minor nitpicks here and there, sure. But it's phenomenal. And as mentioned several times, not only have I changed opinions on actors since my first watch of the show. <coughs> I'm sorry, Tia. Um... It's. It also made me notice certain voice actors, um, whether or not they've been involved in the industry for a while, such as Ian Sinclair, but more up-and-coming ones like David Wald, who suddenly are on my radar, and I'm like, who is this person? I want to know more things. And going back to what I was saying in the beginning with Mike McFarland as a the director, there's a reason why the dubs that I see him direct I find more enjoyable those are the smaller time projects not the big mainstream ones because he just he seems to have more liberty and more freedom to do what he wants and Shiki I think is a very big culmination of that and it's just downright phenomenal downright amazing and (laughs) It, it, like we're just saying, it's not going to be for everyone if some people are very, very finicky with some gore, um, i.e. let's not talk about fucking scalps opening and you're seeing rotting brains and shit in the bathtub. Uh, <laughs> but um, it's not going to be for everyone. However, I, I also do at least recommend watching it at least once. Uh, though personally, I think anyone should every, any and everyone should buy the fucking thing regardless. Now the fun converse, the fun fun conversation. So if you want to see the English dub of Shiki, uh, right now there are two ways to do so. One obviously is through home video. It is available from Funimation on the save label. Uh, first of which, I think all of us it's safe to say that you should buy that fucking shit right now. Uh, the other way to do so is through Funimation Now. That's where the English dub only is right now. Um. I believe the sub's on Crunchyroll. I'm getting to it. Don't interrupt me. Mommy's talking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the English stuff is on Funimation now, which they do, as always, they have their 14-day free trial if you wanted to try out their subscription service. Uh, And, of course, you're frequent reminder that if you don't want to keep the the service, to cancel it because it asks for credit card information and it will pull money if you don't cancel it. Uh, As Megan just interrupted me and was saying, uh, the Japanese version, if you want to see just the show itself and in Japanese, it is over on Crunchyroll. It did make the transition a while ago. Uh, from Funimation to Crunchyroll, uh, and they also have their own uh, subscription service as well. But here's the drawback for all of this. So we are recording Shiki on February twenty-first, and uh, f- some people may have noticed this by now. There have, over the past few years, there have been a bunch of Aniplex produced titles that have been slowly having their licenses expire between Funimation and Sentai Filmworks. Shiki, unfortunately, is going to end up as, more than likely, as one of those casualties. Um, And if the expiration dates that on the forum that have been posted are still accurate, because they have been pretty accurate so far, uh, Funimation, the last day for Funimation to have the license for Shiki would be June 30th of this year. So... That that's the other really big reason as to why I really wanted to talk about the show now because it will expire um, later on this year, uh, and then it will be stuck in the void that is Antiplex, and Lord knows when we'll see this come up again.
3: Yeah, if we get lucky, it might go on a streaming service. Uh, but given the given that it's on the save label, and I'm assuming it's a sign they didn't do so hot over here, that may not be a very likely outcome.
0: Yeah, it might. And unfortunately. It's- Probably going to be one of those casualties where it, it's going to be a snowball's chance in hell that we'll ever see this show again. So, stream it while you can, but preferably buy it because once it's gone, we're fucked.
2: <laughs> like, it's, it's um, $18 yeah. just about everywhere, so. Yeah. yeah. Get yeah, cracking, folks. It's,
0: it's not that. F- yeah, it's not that. It's not going to be hard to find. Um, and you might find, at least for now, used copies of the original set, the uh, limited edition set that I kind of have. For, for a fairly decent price, um at least until the license expires and then of course that'll be jacked up all the hell. Um mm-hmm. But yeah. Go. Eighty hundred dollar bacano
1: copies, everybody.
0: <laughs> yeah, go go buy the go buy Sheiki before it expires. Or at least go and watch it. They'll preferably buy it because then you won't have to pay an arm leg for it the next time it comes out. Um if you're interested in anything that the four of us do, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at like Anime Review with ReviewBeats, but R-E-V-U-E. Uh, Megan, you can follow her on Twitter at Queen Era 2 She is also a moderator for the Funimation Discord, and by now, are you a Funimation for a mod, too? Whenever they decide to fucking update my account, I will be. <laughs> Which hopefully will be fairly soon. Um, not right now. Let's go with that. <laughs> not right now, but eventually. Uh... Roots, you can follow him on Twitter at Roots of Justice. You can also follow Amon at AmanduelUS, uh for a bunch of fun random tweets and all this fun stuff. And if you're interested in catching anything that we do here at Dub Talk, um, of course, the easiest way to do so is you're already here on our YouTube channel, so why don't you subscribe while you're at it? Uh, we also have a Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and Twitch uh, account, all of them labeled Dub Talk Podcasts. Um, though the Twitch, the Twitch one, we haven't done much with it yet, though. Th- the answer is no, I'm not a forum mod yet. <laughs> the, no, the, the Twitch, um, our Twitch channel we haven't done a lot with yet. Uh, we're still kind of tinkering with it and playing around with it. Though we are possibly planning something for the weekend of Anime Boston at the end of March. So, be on the lookout for that. <laughs> uh, but, otherwise than that, I think we're good. Is there any... Final remaining thoughts that anyone wants to share before we close out the day, the
3: episode. I, I have a dumb piece of trivia I can share.
0: Go ahead. Let's in
3: go. a in a strange bit of chrono- of uh, uh, temporal synchronicity, the manga of Shiki was illustrated by Ryuji Fujisaki, who is best known for being the writer and illustrator of Hoshinengi, which is currently getting a not very well received anime adaptation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> also, another fun timing. Fact. <laughs> Good job. Yes, he's married to the person who wrote another. Oh
3: this no, explains. no, the 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 writer of the manga is married to the person who wrote another.
0: Okay, yeah, this explains a lot. Mm. <laughs> explains but yeah, so
1: Hoshin Hoshinengi, the anime, is so bad, Japan wants them to take <laughs> it back. <laughs> so uh way. also please fund my please fund my nendroid fund i need more sword boys please bring them home to me you do not need more sword boys <laughs> yes i do mom <laughs> don't god damn uh roots did you have- that's my purse you don't know me <laughs> <laughs> roots, did you have any other final remaining thoughts
2: hey i'm on you're this on an over. episode we need a- <laughs> we need a dusty album recommendation
0: Oh yeah, oh, yeah, you're right! You need a Dusty Old Song. What do all you right. got? Dusty Old Song, you've never heard of. What do you got I for ha, us? I have,
3: I have two. For the first half of the series, it's all weird and dark and gothic. I recommend Mysterons by Portoshed or really anything off Dummy, their first album. Uh, for the second half of the series, I don't know its name, but I recommend that one uh, song by Polish metal band Behemoth that, when I listened to it, made me feel physically ill.
1: <laughs> i have a dusty song that's not so dusty oh, sure no, what now please look up the full version of the open the first opening of this song uh i believe it's called kuchi uh kujizuke yes by buck uh, by buck, tick. By buck- tick. please look it up song. it's, it's a fucking song. amazing song also the second ending is um, really
2: good too
0: Yes, it is because they also. Also, that.
1: dressed by Buff Tick from another vampire show that hopefully will be a classics episode. Wink, wink.
0: <laughs>
1: wink, wink, nudge, nudge.
0: Wink, wink,
1: nudge, <laughs> cough, nudge. Cough.
0: Uh, yeah, I think it's I'm going through puberty!
1: Oh,
2: hey, I actually have one. And this okay. is sort of roundabout. <laughs> so.
1: We talked uh, about.
2: No, 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 no. Dun,
1: dun, 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 dun. No, I'm
2: not doing that. Um, Not today, Chris Squire. <laughs> <laughs> but um, considering one of the pieces of terminology from Shiki is Jinro, aka Wolfman, yes. um, I would true. recommend a song by the band Mastodon called "The Wolf Is Loose" on their album Blood Mountain.
0: Got all these song recommendations, and here I am just sitting in the corner like I don't know what the fuck to say now. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that is it for us tonight. Have a good night, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this long, epic adventure. This long, haunting adventure. Uh, we will see you next time, and until then, Otaku all my friends. Night, folk. Face down. Night, nerds. What up, nerds?
1: I will go down with this ship. (laughs) I won't close my eyes out cause Toru and Natsuno are banging. (laughs) You would end it on
0: that, wouldn't you? (laughs) Hell yeah,
1: bitches, I got it!